Blog Talk Radio. This is my notice of the rule, I'm not taking it no more, I'm not your personal whore, that's not what 
All right, welcome to a new edition, episode 85 of The Urban Wire, brought to you by the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers, where we shine the light on issues impacting the urban community. Now, it's been a month since we've been on so we took a little hiatus, but we are back with all that's going on in the world. Um, I felt that it was just time for us to come back on air and address some of these issues that are taking place in the world around us. We have a lot going on here in the United States, a lot going on in the world in general, and I just think it's time for us to have community dialogue. Um, Once again, it is the Urban Wire. You can reach us at any point. Um, You can call in with your questions and comments at area code 646-915-8200. Tonight we have a very jam-packed show. We have a lot going on. Um, we are waiting for um, a representative from the in, from Indy 10, which that is the Indy Black Lives Matter. Um, that's the Indianapolis chapter of Black Lives Matter. We, we're going to have someone. Um, we're expecting them to call in um, any moment. A couple people online. So let's go to our lines and see who's on there. Um, area code 812. 639. Is this Michael? Uh, this is JR. JR, okay, yeah. Um, and let's go to 765265. Um, who's this on? Is this um who's this on um 765265? That would be me, sir. All right. Well, we just want to thank you guys for joining us. Um it's been a couple of months. Um, you know, we've all been busy in our personal lives and things like that. Uh, so, Jr. So, what's been new with you? I know we haven't heard from you in a while. So, what's been going on with you? Oh, I've been busy, busy, busy. You know, work, work life. I'm back on the road, touring around, just seeing the world as it once was, and. I tell you, man, it, life is just amazing at how things work out, you know? Yep. I mean, that's definitely true, man. I said, you know, um, we all get caught up in, you know, our day lives and stuff like that. But, like, we, we typically try to all stay in touch. But, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, and I think that it's, it's unfortunate that events such as the ones that have taken place, even in the past month, um, you know, well, especially in the past week with the two um, shootings of the young uh, black men that were shot, as well as the police officers that were um, shot down in Dallas. And then we go back about a month ago, um, then we were, you know, dealing with the entire Orlando shootings. You know, it's just been a lot going on in this nation. And I think that um, it's time for us to have a community dialogue about what's going on. But um, we also have Michael Snyder online, so we, it's been a it's been a while since um, we've had a show, Michael. So what's been new with you? Uh, well, <laughs> really not a lot to say. It's uh, a fairly uneventful life I lead. <laughs> yeah, well, like you know, like they say, sometimes some no good. Uh, what's that? What's that saying? They say no news is good news sometimes. Exactly. Considering all the stuff that we see, I know this is. I, I got to say this, y'all. I'm sorry. I said, you know, I know we 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 have a serious show lined up, and we're gonna go to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give the show line 
lineup, and then we're going to go to a quick song while we get everything set up. But, man, I've seen something crazy on TV today. Like, I know we got to, like I said, we got a serious show lined up. I just had to share this. I was watching this, um, was it on Fusion? I think I was just looking at this lady, and they was talking about, um, you know, pimps and stuff like that. They were just trying to, they doing a documentary on, like, the pimp lifestyle and all that stuff. And there was this lady, I guess she makes the pimp mugs for the, for the pimps and stuff like that. And she, honey, she looked like she want, she looked like Shirley Caesar, like one of Shirley Caesar's. I don't know if y'all know who Shirley Caesar is. She's that old, but she makes cups for the pimp. And she said she puts her whole oil on the cups and then she prays over them before she gives them to you putting whole oil on cups like that and really they're praying and speaking in tongues. I said, man, I said, man, I guess she was trying to, I don't know, but I, I, I guess to each their own. I just was watching it. I said, man, I don't know, man, but I just had to share that. I know that's kind of off subject, but that, that, that's some crazy stuff that I just seen. But I'm, I, I know it well communion juice going in them cups, so yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's more like gin and juice. Uh-huh. Wasn't no Jesus juice, nothing, nothing, uh-uh. But uh, we have another caller online. Let's let's go to um, the phone lines and see who this is, and then we're gonna talk about our lineup tonight for the show. Um, area code three one seven seven five zero. Um, who's calling? Uh, hi, this is Ethan and Kyra from Indy Ten. Oh, hi guys. We were waiting on you guys to call in. These are um, two representatives we're going to be talking to tonight from Indy 10, um, which is the Indy Black Lives Matter, um, which is the Indy chapter of Black Lives Matter. We're going to talk to yes, them tonight. We- um, I have some time. Oh, I thought you were asking if we were Black Lives Matter. I was like, yes, we are. <laughs> okay, yes. Yeah, we have, yeah, we we're, we really want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. We're really looking forward to um, getting guys this um, and we're also wanting to um, talk to you about getting uh, the how you can get involved with your movement and just some of the things that you guys have going on currently um, with NT. You take the time out of your busy schedule. Just join with us tonight and um, just educating the people. Um, started, I just want to give a brief lineup of what we're going to be talking about before we jump in to the interview with you guys. Um, we're going to briefly Pearson from Baton um, Rouge, Louisiana, and Philandro Castillo, St. Paul, Minnesota. We're going to touch on of police brutality and um, how can we uh, especially how can we start opening up the dialogue especially with our young kids with the young kids and the youth on how to have, uh, an encounter with a police officer how to um, 
respectfully um, approach police officers, have, have to just uh, have a clear understanding of each other and um, just, just, just about the whole issue of respect. And also we'll talk about the um, issue of um, the whole issue just in general, police brutality, um, unity in the community, and as well as how do we deal with white supremacy. And, you know, um, also I want to touch on the issue of campaign white supremacists as well. And I think that's been a subject that I've been hearing a lot of people talk about. Um, it's not always other people. It, it's also, you know, it could be people in our community that could be a detriment to progress. So we're going to talk about a little bit of everything. We're still getting things set up. So what we're going to do, we're going to go to a song. And we will be back and we will jump into our show tonight. Oh. All good. All right. Well, Everybody, please. Yes, again, freedom of expression. Mr. Adam Blackstone on the bass. Love you when you lie to me. 
All right, we are back. I just wanted to play that quick song by Jill Scott. That was my petition live. I love the live version of that song. Um, I love the studio version, but I like the live version even better. Um, and I think that song is very fitting of what's going on um, currently within our country. So we're just going to discuss a lot of issues tonight. We're just going to have an open and honest community dialogue. Um, we do have members, um, representatives of Black Lives Matter, the Indianapolis chapter. We once again want to thank them for coming on air. We also have had a couple of callers join us um, during our, our break. Let's go to our lines really quick before we um, get started. Uh, let's see. Area code 813-337. Um, welcome to the show. Um, you have a quick question or a comment, or you're just listening at this um, point? I'm Kyra from Indy 10 as well. Okay. I just called in. Okay, yeah, thank you. I, I really want to thank you guys, um, all the support. Yeah, we have a couple of callers from Indy 10. We want to thank them all for joining us tonight. And 317 Yes, it is. Hey, how are you? We haven't heard from you in a while. I know it's been a couple of uh, months since we've done a show. Um, what's been new with you? Everything is good, you know, just um, finishing up some school endeavors and uh, just going on business, working, and just trying to get things done. So, but I'm just glad to be on the show tonight. Thank you. So, what are your thoughts of on all the just all all the things that have been taking place? Um, during the past week as far as the um, police killings and shootings and just all, just even in the past month with the um, shooting or the deaths of, you know, uh, countless lives in Orlando. What what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on everything that's been taking place? I am truly just sickened by it. You know, um, it, you know, it really does have to stop and it really gets tired after a while, you know, um, and especially when it comes to the killings in Orlando to be killed simply because of a preference or because of a lifestyle is absolutely uncalled for. Um, They have taken someone else's lives simply because they don't like the way they appear, they don't like the way they talk, they don't like the way they dress, you know, and and not only that, they, they made a judgment call just just like they are um the ultimate judge or something, you know, and it's and it's just senseless. And um and just with all those lives that were lost was just absolutely just devastating to me. And not only that, you know, just all of the brutality that has been going on um with with officers that have just been killing um, a lot of the African Americans that I have seen online and the stories that I've seen on the news is just it's sickened me, you know, and um and I'm not and I'm not condoning um any killings what whatsoever. But this is why a lot of the tables are turning on on the cops because People are getting upset. They are angry. They're devastated. 
you know, scared, they're fearful, they don't know what is going to happen, they don't know, you know, if they're going to make it back home, they they just don't know, so, um, yeah, so when it all boils down to it, I am, I am just sickened, um, I'm just tired of it, um, and I'm just hurting from it, and I just really feel for all the families that have lost their loved ones over senseless crimes just as this, so. Yeah. And I just want to throw in this as well. Like these issues, they affect us all. And yes. when we look at it, um, it's just it's not just a black issue. I mean, we are being mm-hmm. affected by, it, but we all need to take a look at this because you know it may be us today, but it could be very much you the next day. You know, so we have to all mm-hmm. take this issue serious, and we we all need to come to the table and have an open um, and honest community dialogue because it's going to take mm-hmm. all of us coming together and um, just learning, um, just learning and being willing to learn about one mm-hmm. another and just how to um, just coexist with one another. So we're going to go to our guest tonight. We, um, I have a couple questions. We're going to just get jump right into it. Um, first of all, um, can you just tell us briefly about the Black Lives uh, Matter movement um, in a nutshell, and what prompted you guys to start an indie chapter of Black Lives Matter? Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Okay, well, this is, my name is Leah. I'm from Indie 10. Um, I'm here with Ethan and Kyra. Um, we started Indie 10 about almost two years ago. It'll be two years in August. Um, about a week after Michael Brown was killed in Ferguson, 10 random strangers got together and decided to make a trip down to Ferguson to donate supplies, first aid kits, food, and water. And then we decided to come back to Indianapolis and start to here because we know that there are hidden things that happen here all the time with police brutality and within the black community that we needed to highlight. Um, and so since then, we've made like three trips to Ferguson. We've done several panel discussions, a few protests. We've, we've, we go to a lot of talks. And we just listen. So we spent like the first few months um, researching and figuring out what we figuring out what we could do here in the in the city. And then mm-hmm. uh, we had several protests, but we also learned we st- we still go to like the Capital Institute. We go there. We listen to other people who have been doing this for many years. We listen to them talk first, and then we apply it to our lives, and then we go out and teach others. So we we lo- we listen and learn first, and then we go out and mm-hmm. teach. So have you guys um, received a great amount of support from um, other Black Lives Matter like chapters and stuff like that? Have you guys been uh, receiving that amount of support and um, on a on a local and national platform? I mean, you know. What was the question? I'm sorry. I was saying, have you guys received like support from like the national Black Lives Matter like uh, movement like? You know, here in Indy as well. Like, have you received a lot of support with them? Have you branched off and kind of like? Um, kind of like... I want to say, I want to say, like the national. I think they're like we're trying to. We've been like in contact with just a lot of like Black Lives Matter in like different cities, like Louisville, Ohio, and um, Gary and stuff like that. So we've been like mm-hmm. we haven't really reached out to the national Black Lives Matter. Because uh-huh. I think we sent them an email, but I don't, you know, they're they probably so busy and stuff as well. But we just yeah. reach out to other Black Lives Matter in the in all the cities that we can. So. Okay, so what are some of your um, key goals and objectives at um, here in the local community? 
um, we have to work on, um, we want IMPD to be a little bit more transparent. We want them to get better training. We want um, better policing within the community. We want more community policing. Actually, we, uh, we're not really, we don't, we say we want to bridge the gap between the community and the police. And that's not really our main right. goal. Really don't want to, we don't really want to fund the police. Like, we don't really, we feel like the whole system needs to be changed. Changed. Mm-hmm. Changed, sorry, sorry. And we feel like, um, the police are just like foot soldiers for the system. We we feel like they, there just needs to be a whole complete reform of policing period and of the system. We we're tired of people being arrested for petty crimes. We're tired of police brutality. Mm-hmm. We're tired of um, IMPD acting like we don't have an issue within this city with police brutality. When it, when things happen here, Indiana is really quick to sweep it under the rug. You know we don't ever really right. want to address it. We're like a quiet racist, but we have we're racist. We have a racist system, but we're quiet about it. You know what I'm saying? So we, our, our objective at first was to like mend the bridge between IMPD and the community, but really we just really wanted to change the whole system and kind of get rid of the old. And and education, education. We want to educate the black community. We want to we really just target marginalized communities, black LGBTQ, um, right. poor black, native native lives, brown lives. So our main focus is black lives, but we just target every marginalized community. Because we feel like mm-hmm. if we all come together, we can fight against this white supremacist stuff. Right. So, um, also, and that kind of leads us to my next question. I want to address some of the misconceptions and some of the false allegations against the Black Lives Movement in general. Um, a lot of people mm. will deem this as a hate group or a group mm. that is against uh, whites in general. Can you clear up those misconceptions and tell us what? Are you guys truly um, We feel like we don't even really have to address those issues because people compare it to like the KKK. But the KKK is literally saying that black and brown and LGBT lives don't matter. And all we're saying is that our lives do matter. So we feel like we don't even need to, to address issues about us being a hate group. You just did uh, just a little bit. The most minimal amount of research still find out that black lives matter is all about raising black liberation. That's all we want. We want true equality. Not like what it says on paper. It says that we're equal. No, we want true equality. We want, we right. want equal education. We want, um, we want equal better food. You know, Indianapolis is number, is number one in the country for food deserts. You know, we want, we want opportunities. We want, um, this is for black liberation. There's no hate in that. We love our people. We want people to stop hating us. We want to stop being killed. We want to stop being jailed. Like, we want to stop being put in prison. Like, we don't have to address, like, we're not going to address the recent police shootings. That's not our place to address that, you know? Ask the police to address their shootings. You know, they don't have to speak out. IMPD didn't speak out when Philando Castillo was, uh, was murdered in um, Minnesota. But we don't feel like we need to speak out when someone um, shoots at the police either. Like, that's not our place because we didn't do it. We don't, we've never been a hate group, you know what I'm saying? Anything, anything that we, we're just against our forms of oppression, you know. So that's just what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, does someone have a question or a comment, really quick? Or I, I thought I heard somebody uh, wanting to chime in. Oh, I just, you know, wanted to say like any comparisons between you know hackers like the KKK and you know other white supremacist organizations is you know it's BS because. The KKK has a long, centuries-old history of killing people and terrorizing communities and burning places, you know, as an organized fashion. 
whereas Black Lives Matter sprung up literally three years ago and has only been, you know, protesting the streets, pushing for reforms, pushing for different policy changes, pushing for system reform, and, you know, we've never advocated for anyone to die, whereas the KKK has openly said, you know, black people need to go back to Africa or, you know, they need to hang them, so. Right. And do you guys feel that the media uh, is partly to blame for that? Because I think a lot of times they highlight more of the negative versus the positive. You know, they don't really show you out there. Yeah, they don't really show you guys out there putting in that work, reaching out to people, dialoguing with people. They want to just take a few bad apples that are out there in the group, you know, that aren't really out there for the same cause, and they want to highlight that. And I think that's part yeah, of the yeah. misconception. Um, does anybody want to address that, or um, do you think there's any validity uh, The media in plays, they play a big role in this whole, like, they've just been playing a big role for a long time, especially, like, when bringing up, like, people like to bring up black and black crime. The media mm-hmm. loves to use that. Like, they, they criminalize us already, so they use our mugshots, or they use, you know, just our, like, they'll bring up our records versus a white person who killed nine people in the church, his stuff. You know what I'm saying? They won't bring up. They do. They criminalize us black people. Like, black is bad to them. So they'll, like, they'll post, like, post of smoking weed or post of doing this. You know what I'm saying? Anything negative a black person mm-hmm. does and we got killed or something like that, they want to, like they did um, Alfred Sterling, they brought up a case that happened to him years ago. And criminalized right. man. When that happened years ago, that had nothing to do with him being shot and killed. Had no, the police didn't know he was a he had a past record when they went up to him. They didn't know that. This man has been selling CDs for six years outside of his gas station, and you guys decided to come up to him and kill him. So right. like, the media has a big role. Audrey Lord right. said. You can't dismantle the master's house using the master's tools. And the media is a tool of the master. It's definitely a tool of the oppressors. We need our own media. We need our own outlets. Because, of course, they're going to show Trayvon Martin as a, a weed smoker. Like that, like that yep. made a difference in George Zimmerman. But they want to show the, the Rock Turner, the guy who just raped the girl. They want to post a mm-hmm. swim record. But they want to show that, that Trayvon Martin smoked weed once. Or that he listened to rap music. Like, we just can't depend on the media. It's like when people are surprised that anything that the media does anymore, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, you know the media is here to make us look bad. They've done it all, their, all these years. That's why people believe that black-on-black crime is a thing. When it's not, it's a myth. Crime is a thing, yes, but that's in all communities. But the media has brainwashed us into thinking that black people are inherently more angry and more bad than any other race. Diana, trick something? Most white whites are killed by other whites. Most blacks are killed by other blacks. Most Latinos are by other whites. So if we look at the crime statistics and the crime numbers, like really, we are not committing the most crimes. And it's just it's just a crazy argument every time someone wants to bring up black on black crime. Like you know, we have to look at it from a point of view. And I think it's it's a it's a false argument that it's used to defend the real issue of police brutality. You can sit here and talk about people 
killing other people within their own culture. But at the end, of the day, our tax dollars are going to pay these people to protect and serve us. And we should not have to be in fear of our lives. Our children should not have to be in fear, fear of our lives. And we're going on, going to and fro, going to work, going to school, whatever. We should not have to worry about if we're going to make it home okay or if our children are going to make it home okay. Or, um, you know, I think, you know, and I think that we do not have the same rights on, like, like, like the caller said earlier, you know, we have the same rights on paper, but realistically, we don't have the same rights. You know, um, we can't do everything that they do. We, even though that some of these states are open carry laws, have open carry laws where they can carry weapons and stuff like that, but, you know, we, we can't do everything that they do because you're going to find yourself dead somewhere. You know what I'm saying? So, um I just wanted to ask you guys, do you think that there is inequality in the judicial system in the in, you know, as far as like um white white supremacy is concerned and like um do you think that it's time that we actually address that and how can we address that? Can I can I make a comment? Yeah, go ahead. Can I make a comment? Mhm. Yeah, I'm this this is my first time tuning in to you guys. And I, I want to give some constructive criticism um, in regards to the Black Lives Matter. Um, and, I, I mean, I hope you all take this, with, you know, don't take it, what I'm about to say, and you know, as attacking Black Lives Matter, but I do want to say it. Um, just in case you all didn't know, I'm going to tell you some things that the greater population is aware of that I feel that a lot of people and the Black Lives Matter is not aware of. And the most important thing is this. People not come in colors. There's only one race, and it is the human race. And the human race is broken up into nationality. When you refer to yourselves as black and you refer to Europeans as white, in law, and I'm speaking strictly law because law governs everything, in law, black and white are statuses, okay? White is first-class status. Black is second-class status in law. It has nothing to do with the color of one's skin. You have to understand that because everyone else in the civilized world knows that, how the civilized world operates. Now, people were enslaved here in America, and part of the enslavement was referred to as colonization. And in colonization, what happens is that people from another land go into a foreign land. They denationalize the, the, the aboriginal people who were there, and they assign them certain statuses, black being the low status or the second-class status. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I, I'm saying that to say this. Mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter 
everybody knows that everyone's lives matter, whether it's black or white, whatever terminology you want to use. But when you continue to refer to yourselves as black, African-American, Negroes, what you're automatically doing, the eyes of the civilized world, and they're not going to tell you this, but in the eyes of the civilized world, you're saying you are a second-class citizen and you do not understand principles of civilization. What you are basically facing called birthright thefts. It's not called racism. It's called birthright theft. Because everybody on this earth, if you are humans, born, you are given certain cleanable rights by the creator. Every civilized nation on this planet is aware of. Okay? So... When every time you say racism is taking place, those certain individuals in, in certain powers know that you are on the wrong path because there's only one race of people, and that's the human race, and we're broken up to into three different nations, but we're all family. We're all brothers and sisters. We're all cousins. So, to, so, to, okay. so when you say racism, and please, please, Take what I'm saying seriously because you may not hear this from other individuals on the news media. They're, they're going to let you run with this racism story as long as you want because they know you're not going to get anywhere with it. All it's going to do is cause further divisions because what is actually happening is this. This is the last thing I'm going to say. You have three main nations in the world. You have the Europeans which consists of the, the European tribes, France, Germany, Italy, Russians, such and such. And then you have, those, those are the pale nations, or what most people call white, but they're actually pale, but then their nation is the European nation. The second nation is the nation of people who have a darker complexion. And those people in civilized society are known as Moors or Mohammedans, okay? They consist of the original Americans. They consist of the different people of, like, Nigeria, Chad, Egypt, um, the different, quote-unquote, African countries. Okay, then you have your third nation of people, which are called Manchurian. And those are known by the name of Chinese and Asian and Japanese. Okay, so you got three different nations, but we're all one family. Now, here's what's going on. Everybody knows, regardless of your nationality, that every nation has criminals within. Okay, every nation has a... Now, what is happening, I'm, I'm going to just exclude the Chinese or the Manchurian from, from this picture, and we're just going to deal with the European and the, the Mohammedans or the Moors. Now, the correct and criminals of both different nations have gotten together to exploit those of us of both nations for purposes of gaining the wealth and the riches from both nations of people. If you look in government, you'll see the government, you'll see the police forces, you'll see the bankers, all these different institutions have both 
both nationalities working together in it. You don't see them necessarily fighting and calling each other racist. The only people you see calling racist are the, the, the masses of the people who are not aware of the structure that I just described for you, which every civilized nation is aware of. So what we have going on here is corrupt leaders of the European nation have gotten with the corrupt leaders of the Moorish or Mohammedan nation to exploit members of both of their nations because all they care about is wealth, power. And they will pit members of each nation against one another in order to remain in power, to continue to gain riches and wealth for their family members. So we as a people need to realize this. You don't have to believe me, but I'm telling you, you're not going to be told this on TV. But that this is how civilization works. So the argument of racism, you have to understand, is only one race of people. But the moment you forget that, that's when you're going to separate from your good European brothers, and you're going to separate good European brothers from good Mohammedans or Moorish people. And you're going to start a division, and you're going to start wars, and they, which are referred to as race wars. But that, trust me, that's not going to happen, because there are enough people who are aware of what I'm saying who's not going to allow that to happen. So okay. I'll, well, sir, um,
there's a whole bunch of different races. There's black, there's Latino, there's all different types of people of color that are oppressed. And we live in a white supremacy world where white skin is superior to brown skin. And that's yeah, what it is. This no, this human. Right. We can't. How are you? How do you? How can you just sit here and ignore something like that? Like you can sit here with the human race and all that stuff, but it still doesn't matter. They still see black people. That's what they see. They see brown and black people. That's what they see. You can. There's nobody gonna. There's not enough people to think like the human race type. If everybody thought like that, we would be good, right? But nobody does because they see color. Everybody sees color. No matter who you are, you see color. Yeah. I see somebody white. They white. Recognize me yeah. for my blackness. I'm black every all day, black. every day. Now let me ask. And you, I'm not gonna call myself a human race. I'm black. Let me ask you this. What do you think about some of these celebrities, particularly some of the black celebrities? Because I don't know if you guys were paying attention to the media uh, when Wendy Williams. Oh, can you unmute the other one? I think one of them is on mute. The other girl is on mute. Uh, Let me see. The 960. The 960 one. Okay, 960. Wait a minute. Okay, okay, there we go. Okay. Okay, okay. All right. I think she wanted to say something. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, somebody's phone is making a noise. Um, well, I'm not sure if you're black, but if you sound black to me, if you are black, you cannot afford to say this one race is human race up. You can't afford that. Those days are long gone. If they want to see us as human race, we should have saw each other as human races back mm-hmm. and like came in contact with each other. It's too late for that now. You need to see me as black. I need to see you as you. It's not. It's, I feel like it's very erasing. The the issue isn't that we all need to just not see race. The issue is that you can't see my race and respect it. You need to see me for the yes. black dark woman that I am and respect that. You don't need to see. You don't need to try to whitewash me or erase me. I see you as a brown man. I see you as a white man, and I respect you. So you need to do the same with me. Why do we have to all be the same? Why do we all have to be like this blank slate for us to be mm-hmm. equal? Why can't we just different? And still equal. Like I don't, I don't like that whole whitewash. And we're all one. We're all the same. There is no such thing as culture. There's no such thing as black culture. Like we have our own culture, and I'm very proud of it. And it comes from a place of pain. So now we need to embrace it and not try to erase it. Like I don't get that. And like it's too late to. And then you started going off on some tangent about like I don't even know like China and then Africa. Like it doesn't make sense. Like what you're saying. It's too late. Those those days are long gone. We're in the present day now. There's such thing as race. White people made sure that there was a class. There was race. So there's class and there's race right now. And so we just have to deal with it. We just have to move forward. So we can't go backwards, okay? So there's no more racing, okay? So just let mm-hmm. that go. Now, now, like I was trying to say, what do you have to say about certain celebrities, like particularly black celebrities that get on um, TV and say, well, there's no need for um, um, black schools or um, historically black colleges and this, that, and the other, Maybe like, yeah, like like, what do you have to say about the cooning epidemic? And for those who don't know co- what cooning and is, let's let's explain it to them because I really think that we can be our own worst enemy sometimes when we get out here and we make blanket statements like that, and it kind of just kind of throws the movement off balance. So, what do you have to say about people that have a platform but they're miseducating um, 
other black people and just miseducating the world. What do you have to say about that? That doesn't come as a surprise either. Like, Coons and Uncle Tom's been around since slavery. Like, we always know that there are black... We know that there are black people who will sell their people out, like, for fame and fortune, for money. Just to get a seat at the table, they're going to sell their own folks out. So I'm going to understand why anyone's surprised by that. When Wendy Wendy Williams said that, I'm like, why are you surprised? Like, people want that dollar. They don't care about their people. They want the money. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, Fanny mm-hmm. Wap, you know, you came to you were raised by none but black folks. All of a sudden, it's an all lives matter because you fucking white women. I'm sorry, excuse my language. Because you mess it with, like, white folks now, you're getting that white money, all of a sudden, it's like an all lives matter. We came straight up at that hood, and your hit single was about being from the hood, like, being in that struggle. Like, I don't get that. Like, people get that dollar, all of a sudden, they don't know, like, how to act. Like, they forget who, where they came from. So, it's not a surprise to me. When people act surprised by it, I'm, I'm surprised by them. Like, why are you shocked anymore that there are some, there's someone willing to tap it harder to get that dollar? Mm-hmm. Even Harriet had to leave some people behind. Right. Oh. They got to go. I mean, they just, they got to go. They, that's what it is. <laughs> Uh, we have another call that I think that might have something to say. I'm going to open up the um, lines and, and see if, what people have to say. Um, um, 664, um, 317-664, do you have a, a question, question or comment about what's been said so far? So we know we've a couple calls, but I think we lost them. Um, no, actually, I'm just listening in. Oh, okay, man. Um, okay, well, I'm going to get back to um, a couple questions I have. So, as far as educating, um, education and voting is concerned, um, and it's and just just um, just getting people aware about uh, what's going on. How how do you guys rank that in your uh, objective, like in um, ND10? Like how do, what, where does education and, and voting fall as as far as a priority is concerned? Are you talking to us? I'm sorry. Yeah, as far as like <laughs> education and as far as um as far as education and voting is concerned, what does that got? Where does that fall in your agenda with um Black Lives Matter? Um, so uh, Black Lives Matter. Oh, it, it feels the same way as I do with the police reform, with the police. Like unless you go like completely get a, get a whole new model, get rid of it. Like you know what I'm saying? I got that. We go to. Uh, the Capital Institute, and we learn, and we call um, the main guy there, his name is M. Hotep, and he, we call him Sensei. And I'm just going to take a, a page out of his book. He said, just get rid of the school system. Unless you go completely reform it, teach your kids at home, or build community schools, because the, shit, the stuff that they're teaching you in school is not right, it's lies, and it's based off of things that they want you to know. Once again, I'm going to quote Audrey Lord. She said, you cannot dismantle the master's house with the master's tools. So they're going to teach you what they want to teach you. Not nothing that's going to help you uh, change the system or stop them from oppressing you. They're going to teach you what they want you to learn. You know what I'm saying? So Black Lives Matter has, I've learned more since I've joined this movement than I've ever learned in school. You know, I've learned mm-hmm. more than I've ever been taught in school. And as far as voting, we can't vote on someone if we don't have the right people in the office. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, we get the right people in office if we're not educating our people to get them there. We we've had we 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 probably thrown away plenty of senators and great presidents and uh, mayors and electorals because we just thought we we put our people in jail like they we let them put our people in jail. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like mm-hmm. we 
starting our own communities, raise up our kids correctly, so then we can get those people in the system, I mean, into the like courthouse or whatever, so we can vote them in. Right. So, um, can you lay out a how we begin, and how how do you guys begin make how are you guys going to start addressing some of these issues, um, particularly dealing with police brutality and just um, just getting people educated about what's going on out here? What what are you guys planning in the near future and just in general to address these issues, particularly here in the Indianapolis area? Well, we. We've we of course we hold protests, rallies, but also we are working on some demands. We have four different demands that we're working on here in Indiana, which is uh body cameras. Um, mm. the oh sorry, I'm having a brain fart. Body cameras, grand juries, um, the mm-hmm. police uh, citizens review board, and what was the fourth one, Leah? Um, Independent prosecutor. Independent prosecutor. That's the four things that we're working on. So right now we're trying to, because we don't know everything. We're not, you know, we don't, we're learning too on the way. So what we're doing is like educating ourselves and like having, holding community meetings, educating people on what we know about Indiana and then getting their input on how we should take, you know, how we should take the next step. Because as at the end of the day, we we need our community. We need to do this together if we're going to do this right. If we're going to pass these, if we're going to pass, if we're going to, you know, write up bills or laws or whatever we have to do, we got to do it together. So that's one of the right. main things that we're focused on right now. And just getting the word out, because a lot of people didn't know. We've been doing this for two years. We went from mm-hmm. having 30, pro, you know, 30 people at our protest to 3,000 last Saturday. Like, you know what I'm saying? After I think everybody in Indianapolis right now is like, Getting like okay, something's happening and it's not right. And I think everybody's starting to realize that now, and because Indianapolis is very, they sweep, they sweep things under a rug a lot. So you never hear about oh, yeah. our issues a lot. You don't hear. We don't even have like we don't even have da- uh, dash cameras. We don't. We barely have any body cameras. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They just passed a law about the body cameras like July 1st that the family can only view like the tape uh, twice. And if they want a copy of it, they have to um, pay up to $150 in fines to get a copy. And they're not even sure if they'll get a copy. They have to go to court and everything. They have to do a whole bunch of stuff to get a body camera here now. So anything you want to add, Leah? We plan to do monthly teachings as well. So we plan to um, hold workshops once a month on things that we feel like the community needs to know. We've been knocking on doors. We just feel like yep. if we can have a central location where people can come once a month and we can feed their minds and their spirits, that's that's our that's a small part to what we need to do to move forward. So if we can get the community engaged, that will help us move forward. Right. That's what I was gonna say. Like, you know, I think we definitely as a city as a city we we need to really be serious and start looking at these issues because we, we sit back and talk about, you know, it's this place and this location and that location but it could very well be in Apple's next. And I think that um, every uh, major metropolitan city, especially with a huge black population, we have to really take these issues serious because um, there are situations that, you know, similar situations that have happened here. But like I said, a lot of this stuff gets sweeped under the rug. Like, um, I don't know if you guys remember a couple of years ago about that young the young boy, um, I think his name was, 
last night, but that, that situation where he was uh, really beaten by a cop, and I think it was the time when uh, Reverend Al Sharpton and a lot of people came uh, to Annapolis. Uh, yeah, I, so that goes to show this, these issues yeah. are taking place in all major cities. It's just not just yeah, exactly. Cities. And we, we really need to look, because it could be your child next. While you sitting up there, right. while you sitting up there just saying, just shaking your head, you know, like a lot of us do, I said, ooh, I'm glad it ain't mine. But it could be your child, it could be your brother, it could be your sister. It's just not the black males. Like right. we look at Sandra Bland, we look at a lot of the. Come like, on, Rakia Boy, Ayanna Sandra right. Jones. Yep. Right. Yep. So it's. Tanisha yeah. Johnson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, we have another call. I'm gonna see if they have a question for you guys. Um, three one seven two nine four. Um, do you have a question or a comment? Is this Brittany? Yeah, it is. No, I okay. was just um, I don't know. I tuned in a little late, so I don't know if you guys have already discussed. But I mean, one of the things that I've seen, and um, as I just kind of review some of the things that's going on, and just sit on some of these channels, I don't hear nobody talking about the importance of voting um, because if we voice our opinion so much and wanting to make these changes, people have to realize, especially within our community, that if you want these laws passed and if we want things passed, it's important that our people understand the right to vote. People think a lot that, oh, well, they look at just the presidential election, but people don't realize who their governor is. They don't understand and know who their city officials are. And the importance that, especially now, is the time that we really need to focus on putting a word out there to letting people know that, hey, we really need you to vote, and your vote really does matter. There's a lot of people saying, well, no, there's not really nobody running in the presidential election that I really want to vote for, so I'm not going to just vote. But people don't understand that we want things to change and we want to see these changes. We need to let Congress know that we want to see these changes. And if we want Washington to see that we want these changes, it's important that people realize that it's not just the presidential that's important, but we have to get out there and cast our votes. That's the way that these things will only change is voting. And a lot of people are not understanding the importance of that. So I guess my question is, um, I heard the key components that I know that um, Black Lives Matter is focused on now. But I guess uh, another question I had is, is there any kind of connector things here within the city that is pushing people to understand the importance of voting um, and how they need to get out and cast their votes? Um, um, thank, thank you for that. We don't we we do vote locally. Um, we we do our research and we have a few candidates. But as Black Lives Matter, we don't endorse anyone, any candidate. And we don't do anything specifically towards geared towards voting because that's not where we stand. Some people in Black Lives Matter don't feel like voting works. Some people feel like uh, we don't have the right candidates even in the local, you know, legislation. Yeah. So if you, right. we, what we do is post links to um, places where you can make sure that you're registered, and we post links on our Facebook to, to like people who will inform you on what's going on locally, like because right. that's not our thing. And like, like I said, right. if you want to go out there and like push voting. We back you, know, but good for you. Like we'll go out there, we'll back you, and we support you wholeheartedly. That's just not where we stand. We don't feel like just voting is the answer. We feel like there's just right. more. We need no. I, I understand. No, I guess maybe my question was yeah, wrong. I wasn't saying that it was that. No, because I definitely don't think that just voting is the answer. But I was just saying 
I didn't know if there was anything that you guys had put in place, or even like last week um, when you guys were all downtown protesting. Do you guys speak or e- even just speak to people about it as far as getting out there and casting their vote? Because I'm going to tell you this. I go to Kroger. I go to – I work for the government, so I kind of sit on some of these things and I hear some of these things. And what upsets me the most is the fact that even just talking with individuals um, and volunteering and trying to get people to register, what upsets me the most is that people don't even want to take that initiative to fill out a little bitty card to even try to voice their opinion and be like, hey, are you registered to vote? People will ignore ignore you, literally look in my face, or either won't even walk down their window to speak or say anything about it. And I understand that. I was just saying is, like, during these protests or doing certain things, if you guys maybe speak on, um, you know, voting or, you know, letting people know, hey, it is important that people do get out to vote. That's, I guess that's what I was more so. I kind of understand that you guys don't stand on that, but I was just wanting to know if you guys are kind of educating people and letting people know, hey, get out there and vote, cast your vote, you know. It'll really help. That that's what I was kind of more so trying to answer, but it's okay. I think we we've mentioned it a couple times, but like she said before, we don't really push it because, to be honest, it's like I think we need to mold somebody that we can trust to get up there and vote for them. I can't really, you know, I don't know. I don't trust politicians at all. It's just like so. I don't. We said get up, make sure you get out there. Well, we might have said it a few times, but we've never like pushed it because that's just something that we don't stand for. It's still like them right. working for the system and they gotta right. they gonna have to dismantle I feel like they're gonna have to dismantle the whole system in order for everything to be where it needs to be. But right well, well like I, I said we mentioned it a question. couple times. How do you change how yeah. do we change the system if we don't if we don't we gotta get out, get out because- we gotta let our voice be heard. We gotta go to these city council meetings like we do all the time. The public safety men. We gotta hear what these people are saying because sometimes you go in there, you like, did you really just say that? Like Troy Riggs, our new chief of police, he's very dismissive. He doesn't even think that stuff yeah, like Ferguson can. Yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying. And then you have people like, I'm not gonna name some names, but this, they just don't back <laughs> this up at all. You got a mm. lot of people on the council that don't back this up, and then of course our governor. Let's not get started mm. on his butt. Like, you but know, see, he this just, is the thing. That, that and, and, something needs to be pushed out. I know there's one lady, Dana Black, and I know, you know, she's been out to rallies and protests and all this stuff, LGBTQ, whether it's Black Lives Matter. That's the only person I know running now that I would personally vote for right now, Dana mm-hmm. Black. But other than that, it's just really nobody has even shown, you know, that support to us either. So it's like a two-way street. If you want us to vote for you, Support us. Come out in these streets with us. Stand behind us. And I definitely understand that. And I think, yeah. and and and, they, and I definitely understand. And I think definitely yeah. in the position that I work in, and I see it is important. And I think that's why I. And when I sit in and I listen to some of these things, I think that's why it's important that people understand not only just getting out there and voting. But one thing I I I try to encourage people also to do is not only this to look up 
some of these people that are on the right that to vote for because a lot of people don't even know. The only thing people know is who's the president. A lot of people don't know. Right. That's because they're black. That don't mean that they're always standing up for for what you're believing for right. or even pushing forward for, for the that's things real. that we're wanting. And a lot of people don't understand that and don't see that. But I know, right. I feel right. like, and, and I, I agree with you, it definitely is a two-edged street. And I think part <laughs> of it also comes with the educational piece and I think that's why I get out so much and I try to educate and let people know right. the importance of voting and not only that but just trying to understand and where they can go and look up information on certain mm-hmm. people because again people right. only see presidential they don't see anything else but I know right. within just these groups also right right and you just because to get the candidate is Democrat don't mean that they, they have your best yeah. interest in heart either like quit trying to vote straight Democrat, quit trying to vote straight Republican, yeah, because right. it, yeah, like there's wolves and sheep's clothes. They all working together, too. Right. Yeah, they right. do. I definitely agree. They de- they all definitely do work together. I, I definitely agree with you. I definitely agree. Well, I definitely support the work that you guys are doing. Um, Thank you so much. We appreciate that. I do, I, do, um, I do look at that. Um, I talk to, I have some friends that live in different cities throughout New York. Arizona, um, Texas, and I just kind of see some of the different things and maybe try to get some of those things um, just brought back here as far as what we can do. Because like you said, right. it's something small. I don't think a lot of people really know what's going on in some of the bigger cities. I see where some of the things are, but I kind of just take key note with that. Me and Seneca have been really good friends since high school, so I kind of, you know, me and him speak a lot on some of the things that um, I kind of see and what right. we could do. Even with just starting something with media, I was speaking with him this week. Um, another one of my concerns was just the fact that I know BET used to have at least, it, it, it was a 30-minute segment, but they used to have at least a news show. And I was speaking with Seneca about it now that it's so sad because you can't even turn on the TV and hear anything about our news. How we have to hear about things that are happening to us is on Fox, or you have to see it on CNN. And you, yep. they're so, and that's what I hate. Why can't we have a news show? Why can't you don't even hardly see the recorder no more? I was speaking to my mm-hmm. coworker today at work. I said, Why can't we pick up a paper and read the recorder and see what's going on in our community? But I bet you you can go right downtown or any corner and pick up a new boat, but you mm. can't pick up a recorder. I, and, and that's what I was speaking with Seneca about. We have to get some kind of more media outlet. It, it upset me during the BT Awards that they should have been speaking a lot more about some of these social issues that's going on, too. That was a clear platform for them right there. But they didn't have anything to say. I just feel like our voices are not being heard. And on some of the media outlets that we do here, they're not getting they're to us, us and getting to mm-hmm. the community. And they're letting us down Fully, and we we got to do it for this young generation. When Obama was being first elected, BET was all over. Every five minutes, you had mm-hmm. every artist, everybody on there telling people to go out and vote, go out and vote, go out and vote. Now you don't hear nothing about it. You don't hear anything yeah, about true. it. Nothing about it. Oprah right. Winfrey got her own networking show. She don't have anything on there to support black people or anything within our news to let our, our communities know what's going on. It, it's sad mm-hmm. to me, but I feel that's what I was telling Seneca. This show is a good start because we have to get more people out here to get them educated. We have to get right. young people more educated in some of these things. So I definitely support you guys. I definitely support the work. Thank you, you so much. It's hard work. I Thank you so much. In government. It's, it's a very hard, it's a hard job. Yeah. It's not an easy job, but I definitely support you guys 100%. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. We appreciate that a lot. All right. Um, I think um, 
Michael, JR, are you still online? Yes. Are you still online? I am. Okay. And uh, Michael, are you still there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Um, so, uh, Michael, do you have anything that you would like to add to the discussion? Um, no, he's he's one of know. our um, he's one of our commentators on the show. I just was wanting to get his um, take on um, the discussion tonight. Um, I will say there's a few other there's been a few extra points that I think that were good for me to hear that I wasn't familiar with. So I think it's been an informative conversation. I think it's been very good to have this because open dialogue, there's something that we are lacking and is definitely going to put things in a moving in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, JR, do you have something to say? I know you've been kind of quiet because usually I know you got a lot to say. <laughs> oh man, where do you begin? About this, this, this is my Puerto Rican brother from another mother. So I know you got a lot to say. I know you, 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 know, you are not a man of few words. So I know you have a lot I, to say. I definitely am not. So, so let, let's go ahead and begin by saying, you know, it, in my life here, man, it, it uh. It amazes me how every time we take one step forward, we end up taking two steps back. You know, the executions that happened in Baton Rouge as well as in Minneapolis, and that's exactly what they were, was executions. All right? They were no different than things that I've seen in countries like Colombia and Venezuela where the corrupt police, uh, you know, will execute someone that speaks against their government, um, you know, by the end of that night. Uh, People have made the argument that, and I've gone back and forth over this, that people have made the argument that uh, uh, Mr. Sterling was uh, resisting and this and that. I said nothing, nothing at all about that video justifies the execution that happened. And they're like, why do you see it as an execution? I said, plain and simple. They had him subdued, and the officer took a shot to the back of the head. That is an execution anywhere you look at it. Now, the only reason that the, the, you know, any loss of life to me is tragic and unnecessary. And the only reason that uh, these things happen in Minneapolis and in Baton Rouge and in Dallas is because of lack of human respect. You know, I, I, I was born into a family of money in Puerto Rico. I, my family, after my mom and dad separated, we moved down to southern Indiana little small town out there where we were the only minorities in the entire county. Now, was there a racial treatment? Absolutely. Did it kill me? Absolutely not. I'm here talking to you. Did it make me stronger? It absolutely did because I don't hold my tongue for no man or woman. Now, 
you know, the the thing, the bad thing about everything that has happened is simply this: is that there is no winner. Because for every good, for every crooked cop, there's 100 good cops that are making that 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 crooked cop's making them look like him. It's making the stereotypes happening. It's bringing that another generation of young people, young, you know, minorities that distrust the police. I have been fortunate to where I've never had an encounter such as that, you know, with the police. My The closest thing I ever had was I had my vehicle searched for pulling a joke on the cop, and that's, he was a motorcycle cop, pulled me over. I downloaded the Chips theme song on my phone, took down all my windows. And as he was approaching my vehicle, I played it with the uh, speakers blaring in my car. He didn't find it so funny. Um, but besides all that, you know, we live in a country that in the 21st century, racial discrimination and racial treatments and racial divides are still a problem and that is sad. That is extremely sad. We there there are countries that I, I've worked with men and women from countries such as Nigeria, uh Liberia, uh Kenya, um Saudi Arabia, Kuwait and the, these people over there, if you're born, they, let, let me tell you about this. If you're born into a family name, you can be the scumbag of the family. Every family has got that drunk uncle or cousin that nobody likes them having him around. But he always finds out when the family dinners are and always happens to show up, look beyond all means. If you happen to be that person born under the right name in any other country around the world, you are born into what we address here as white privilege. You get family privilege over there. You, You are granted money. You are granted property. You are granted all these things that you are not otherwise allowed to have if you're not born under that name. And in a country that preaches that we need every man is created equal, they damn sure show a funny way to prove it, you know? I am beyond myself over this. Now, we live in a, again, like I said, we live in a country where it's okay to disagree. For example, for example, uh, Indy 10, I don't necessarily yes, agree okay. with every. I don't necessarily agree with everything you have said, but that's okay. You know, as I'm sure you won't agree with everything that I say. Um, but you know, again, that's okay. We live two totally different lifestyles. Uh, we were brought up in different families, different cultures. It's just how it is. Um, but you know. Today, I had the pleasure of listening to President Obama, and I do say pleasure because, like, 
as most people know, I don't always agree with the president as well. I don't agree. I'm my own independent thinker. I have a zero party line. And uh, he he had a forum, a town hall forum with the families of the victims of these crimes, so the families of the police officers and Mr. Sterling and the gentleman in Minnesota, and I do apologize, his name still eludes me to this day. Um, and, you know, it, you know and Mr. Sterling's child came out stating how he, he just wants all, all this to just stop. They, you know, that uh, he, he uh, understands that a couple of bad people ain't, you know, a, a couple of bad people are the cause of this and not the entire police department themselves. That in the future, he's looking to becoming a police officer himself to try to right the wrong. And that's just the thing. You know, that what was her name? Uh, do any of you, Anybody on here uh, remember the name of that female police officer from Cleveland that put the video out right after Mr. Sterling's execution, um, where where she she was just going off on them two cops? Mm-mm. Do you all know what I'm talking about by any chance? It, it was it was like the day after she put a video. God, her name eludes me, and unfortunately, I can't look it up as I'm speaking to you on the phone. Um, my phone, for some reason, doesn't allow me to look things up on the internet while while I'm talking on it. But it was a female police officer who, I mean, she gave the third degree. If you have ten minutes out of your life, look this up. She she gave a third, the third degree to the racist cops out there. That's not saying every cop is racist, but she, she's talking to the ones that are and how they made her, for the first time in her life, ashamed of being a police officer. Now, if they had any dignity, they'd take off that uniform that she loved so much. And, and her last name was Jones, I believe. I cannot remember. I cannot remember her name, but by God, it was it was a phenomenal speech. But uh, yeah, it, you know, the other unfortunate thing with all these things that have happened is that there's not going to be a winner. There isn't, because both sides are going to have to back down, and we both know, we all know, that no side is going to back down. You know. It's just going to, it's, uh, what's that old saying? A rolling stone gathers no moss. It's just going to keep on going, you know, until people just get sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, it's, it's shameful. It's shameful what's happened. These people that have taken the oath to protect and serve and go out and do something like this, because they may be afraid because this this man was much bigger than them, or you know they they might have thought they saw so whatever the reason might be, I wasn't there, I'm not a cop, I was a marine, 
and by no, you know, by no means anything that I did was unjustified. But you know, they, it, 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 it's if there was any justice, them two, that them cops took the shots, they would get put in general pop in a regular state prison. That's just. Unfortunately, we all know where it's probably going to go. They'll probably get put in some, you know, minimum security prison, one of them white-collar prisons. <laughs> you you know? Shit, that's if, even if they get indicted for it. Like, you know, exactly. we, we've, seen, we've seen this. Like, it's, it's you know, all, all we're asking is just give give us our basic rights, you know, Allow us just just let us be and let us live our lives. Give us equal opportunity because it, it's not exactly right. it's not equal opportunity. You know, we just want to feel at peace in our own community. We we want to uh, feel that the people that are supposed to protect and serve us are there to actually protect and serve us and not play on our community. You know, and it's just a sad situation when we have to live in fear. You know, um, right. it's, it's just it's getting – the social climate in this country is just getting to a point to where um, if we don't put these issues out on the table and have an open dialogue where both people are open to – both sides are open to listen to us. There's going to be civil unrest in this country soon, you know, and I just, I just think it's just really sad that we have a lot of these politicians that are – uh, more interested in uh, exploiting what's going on instead of bringing peace. They're more divisive than you know than anything, and I just think it's really sad that um, you know these these events are always being used as uh, some type of political game. You know what I'm Absolutely. saying? Absolutely, and it's just, it's just really sickening. You also got to remember, though, that if they take a stance, then that's going to bring accountability to them. Right. You know? And that's the last thing that they want, especially during a political year. The last thing that they want is for anything that they say to be held against them because the stakes are so high for them. It's because right. of the money that they're getting from the corporations that they're supposedly going against. They're, they're claiming they're fighting the hands that are feeding them. But we all know they ain't. Hell, today I, I even saw something about Hillary talking about something about, you know, that there's not all gangs are violent, that there's such a thing as a friendly gang. I'm like, is this woman out of her mind? Not thinking. No, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I have no respect for her. I, I just don't. You know, um, she's like no, like all jokes aside, she's she's just as much as a white supremacist as not Donald Trump is. And I'm sorry, I hate to say that. Whoever is offended, whatever. But to me, I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know what I'm saying? She's she's no better than he is. You know, um, you know. The only reason I would enjoy watching her in office is for this, because you know damn well that the president of the United States is extremely busy having all these meetings with 
all these different delegates from other countries. The delegates don't travel alone. Most of them are male. Their wives are going to be in another room, and Bill's going to have a lot of free time. I want to see this on pay-per-view. But, hmm. <laughs> now, but in all honesty, yeah, she, I, I, you know, I, I told you this last night, was it last night, or it might have been the day before when we spoke last, but, you know, for the first uh, for the first time in a long time, I'm going to be voting independent. Mm. You know, neither party, it, it, it truly has, it truly is the lesser of two evils. And the one person I was going to vote for, I was looking at Bernie Sanders as the best option, ends up selling out to Hillary Clinton. You mm. know, so I, I don't even know what to think, you know. Uh, but 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 it's all about the it's all about the vote and 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 it's you know and the thing about it is is like these people always exploit our community they exploit our vote. Uh, yep. You know. Uh, I guess I seen now that she's trying to reach the Latino vote. Like she's trying to reach them. Yeah, and you yeah, know, yeah. it's kind of funny. Like you you refer to blacks as super predators or super criminals or whatever she called them, but now you want to kind of act like you never said that and now you're trying to get the minority vote so you can get into office, but we already know what you feel about our community. We already know that, you know, um, under your husband's administration, you incarcerated so many blacks and Latinos that it's not even funny, like probably the most Huh? And not only that, but us, me, now I'm not speaking for the entire Latino community. You know, I, I, by no means do I have their uh, permission to speak on their behalf. But I'm speaking for myself. And I do remember a seven, year, seven eight-year-old Cuban boy with an AR-15 appointed at him during the Clinton administration. He could have stopped it. To get deported back to Cuba by the name of Alien Gonzalez. Now, by U.S. laws, any Cuban that sets foot on U.S. soil has automatic citizenship. But Alien Gonzalez, whose uncle was the one watching him while he was in the United States, Gets deported, you know, and that was under the Clinton watch. They could have stopped it. They chose not to. Why should we, as Latinos, I'm here legally, but why should we, as Latinos, whether they are or aren't, confide in another Clinton who was right there during the whole Elian Gonzalez thing to watch, to have our sticks, to watch our back? Are you kidding me? It, it ain't yeah. happening on my part. I can't speak for anybody else, but it ain't happening <laughs> on my part. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Um, it's getting late. I'm gonna um have um the the members from Black Lives Matter. I'm gonna have them wrap up. Um, you know, give their final thoughts on um just just the events that have been taking place and what we can do as people. And also, I want you guys to tell us. Um, if people are interested in reaching you guys or joining your movement, how can they contact you and where can they find you on the internet? 
Uh, well, they can find our Facebook page. It's uh, Indy 10 on Facebook, INDY10, mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter. Uh, on Twitter, at Indy 10 People, I yeah. believe it still is. Um, and then our email is Indy 10 at gmail.com. And also, we have a community meeting coming up next Sunday. That's on our page as well. And we also listed the ten. Yep. And we also listed the demands that we're working on. And we will be signing petitions on Saturday, going around and have people signing petitions and how they can get involved and stuff during the Black Expo. So. Yeah. And I also also want to ask you as far as the faith-based faith faith-based community here in Indianapolis. Are you working? along with them to address some of these issues um, that are plaguing our community as well? Uh, have they been pretty supportive of the um, – um, of You said NBC the faith-based? Yeah. As a church, um, we don't really affiliate with any church. Um, mm-hmm. I did go to a church. Um, we went to – it's me and one of our members went to a church last week, and it was kind of like victim blaming and all that stuff. So it's like kind of the churches mm-hmm. here – they kind of pick and choose where, when they want to be a part of it. But we have never, I mean, sometimes a, a pastor will come out and say they support us and stuff like that. But other than that, this has really been us. We don't really right. affiliate with any schools either. So unless it's like IUPUI, Black Student Association, or um, Butler, Black Student Youth uh, Association or stuff like that. But other than that, we got our allies, our white allies, Latinos, um, the students uh, yeah, against state violence. Answer. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was we do have that. a lot of allies, mm-hmm. the Muslim community and all this stuff. We do have a lot of allies. So, Hey, I'm curious about something, if y'all don't mind. I, I have a question for y'all at Indy 10. Yes. yes. Uh, how do you, how do y'all, y'all come up with the name Indy 10? Where did that come from? Um, That came from the 10. Uh, when we first started, 10 random strangers went down to Ferguson. Oh, and okay. we came okay. back. And started, yep, started something. And now it's only three of us, but we're still doing the work <laughs> every day. So, yeah, you know, of course, people have stuff. life and, yeah, people have life and all that stuff going on. So it's completely understandable. Right, right, right. Hey, someone's always got to pull the gr- brunt of the weight, you know. Uh, yeah. But, hey, you know, keep up the good work there, you know. It, Thank uh, you so much. We appreciate that. The voice, the voices are being heard, you know. And I, I remember hearing an old saying a long time ago that went that every journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. You that's know, true. So, I like that. So, yeah, that's right. So you know, you always keep that in mind, especially when it doesn't seem like your points are getting around. People are right. hearing them. You know. Now right. the thing, the thing is, is you know, and when approaching, it's always got to be intelligent points. It can't be that facts can never be debated. You know, yep. so whatever you bring, that's why it's a fact. A theory can be debated all day and all night long, but once it's a fact, it's a proven theory. You know, so you come at people with your facts, they they ain't gonna have their leg to stand on. You know, they, they 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 just won't. You know, and uh, yeah, keep up the good work, keep them going. You know, get 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 the community's eyes open and the ears open. You know, and, and get get it rolling. You got to. 
Right. Yeah, and that's just and, that's, and I'm glad you brought that up. The how you, about the whole allies, you know how um, it's just not it's not only just uh, black people that are involved, but it's 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 a, a very diverse diverse group of people and uh, people from all walks of life that are supporting um, particularly the Indy Ten movement. And I really that's what I really like because it's really going to have to take everyone coming together to. Um, dismantle the system of white supremacy. So I really, really admire that. I respect that. And I guess that's one of the big misconceptions about the, even just the Black Lives Movement in general, that they think, well, it's just a bunch of angry black people and nobody else is supporting them and backing them, when in reality um, there are many allies that support what um, – what you guys are out here doing and what you guys are trying to achieve. So I just want to encourage you guys to keep doing what you're doing. Um, and I just want to encourage the listening audience to get involved with ND10 um, and just, just get involved in general, because like you said, right. none of this stuff is going to change until we become vocal and we have to put our foot down and we have to make our demands known as um, tax paying citizens. We have the right to feel feel safe on our streets. And, you know, these are public servants that our tax dollars are going to pay for and we should we should have equal access to that without, you know, uh being shot down. You know, it's just been so much going right. on in the past couple of years. And I think it's 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 really good that we are starting to awaken as a people. You know, and you know, and I just and I and I wanted to say this too, like, you know, I have never seen so much just outright flat flat out just racism like just people it just it seemed like for a while people were keeping that stuff under wraps like you knew it exists but just just the the I don't know it just seems like everybody's just getting to that boiling point into where everything's just out in the open now and I think if we don't right. get this stuff under control we, we're doomed like I, I mark mark my words and I was just talking to Michael about this I, and I pray that this don't happen, but I I I think we we have just seen the beginning of the world. Oh yeah, like, I, I, definitely. I don't, and I thought we have to really get get ourselves together because it's only gonna get worse. I'm telling you. And then if we get someone like Donald Trump into office, we, we're done. So you oh, know, yeah. uh, it's gonna have to take all of us just coming together. Um, and, and, and and like I said, and I mentioned earlier, uh, a white supremacist don't have to just be white. You know what I'm saying? Because you got some black people out here that are trying to stop the movement or stop progress as well. So we have to stop trying to look at trying to put a face on the enemy because the enemy can come in different shades and, and, and colors and, and different right, forms. Right, right, right. So, because I, I'm telling you, some of the biggest people that are in opposition are people that look like you and I, like the people that are are shade, you know. So you know, and we got to get out this 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 mindset that someone that that's for the for the for the black community has to look a certain way too, you know what I'm saying? So we we really have to start looking at people's character and not just their physical appearance, because like you said, some of our biggest enemies can be, you know, some of us. And I think that's very sad. So we just have to just uh, keep that in mind and just, you know, 
whoever wants to go on this journey, we just come along. Who, whoever doesn't, we, we just don't have to leave them behind. Because right now we have too much at stake. You know, uh, our people are getting right. killed and shot down. Shot down, right. Yeah. And it's just, we, we just going to really have to um, really start calling people out. You know, calling people out, call these politicians out. You know, we we right, really just gonna have true. to stop, get out this slave mentality where we just, you know, uh, we we just have to have to just change our mindset. That's just at the end of the day, that's 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 just the bottom line. We have to change our mindset because what we've been doing has not worked. So we have to try a different approach. And I think that um, this is a good start. I think this is. Uh, definitely a good start. I like forums like this, um, and I think we're going to continue having these um, dialogues and these these conversations because I think it really we helps need to, us. Yeah. yeah. So once again, I just want to thank you guys for coming on tonight. I know it's t- I know it's pushing eleven o'clock, and I know you guys are probably tired. I know you guys have a have a lot going on, and I just want to thank you guys again for the work that you're doing in the community. And anything thank you, you so need much. from us. Just just let us know. If you have anything that's going on, we'll be more than happy to uh, tell our audience about it. So uh, thanks again, and we will definitely be in touch. Okay. Thank you for having us. Uh-huh. Uh, Michael and JR, can you stay online for a couple minutes? we got a couple stories we got to uh, cover yeah, sure. that I want to record, and then we can, you know, call tonight. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, All right. Um. I wanted to talk about because uh, I had a clip that I wanted to play of the whole Wendy Woods situation. And I don't know if you were online. I remember a couple of months before we went on break, you were online when we were talking about um, Wendy Williams when she said that she was ashamed of being black because of something that happened on the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Do you remember that? I remember that. Yeah, I yeah. do too. Yeah, well, you know what? She's back in the news again. Last week on her show, she made some disparaging comments about um, HBCUs and the NAACP. Um, she said that she feels that there is no need for these organizations anymore. She felt that if someone said that there was a historically white college or university or um, an NAACP for white people, that she would feel some type of way. And after she said that, she was drugged up and down social media. Because even though even her white audience members were looking at her, are you serious? You know, why would you say something like that? You know, and it just seems like everyone else was aware of their history except her. And the funny thing about it is her own father graduated from a historically black college, you know, and I guess Roland Martin from TV one, he had some comments from her for her and he pretty much had to school her. And he also went on the show to educate her and told her, look, you know, um, the reason why these schools existed because like at the time of their exception, there were no, institutions for education for black people and they had to create their own in order to educate themselves because at that time um, you had segregation you had Jim Crow you had a lot of um, um, things that were 
keeping black progress at a standstill. So these institutions were started in order to help the black community to progress. And on top of that, some of these institutions and some of these um, some of these institutions were uh, created and kind of started up. White people helped these institutions, like the NAACP. There were a lot of members, uh, white members, that that assisted in getting that started because there were there were good white people that wanted to see black progress as well. So it wasn't a thing where it was just you know black people trying to create some supremacist organization. So we're going to play a clip really quick um, of Roland Martin's appearance on the Wendy Williams show where she he pretty much educated her. Um, I'm pretty sure some of you have seen his response on TV1. If not, you can pretty much, I think you can look that up. But I really just wanted to play this clip because he really educated the audience on the importance and the history behind um, historically black colleges in the um, NAACP. So we're going to go to this clip, and we're going to come back with the rest of our commentary. And this is like a 10-minute clip, but we're just going to play a couple minutes of it. Please welcome to our show the host of News One Now, Roland Martin. Yeah, I like your coloring. Well, you know, it's an alpha thing. Are you an alpha? Life member, absolutely. My dad, my brother, and my brother-in-law, alphas. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And my brother, so. Yes. So, Roland, thank you for accepting my invitation. Mm-hmm. Um, I called Roland over the weekend because I saw your, I saw mm-hmm. you, well, we already talked about this. I saw the rant. I wanted to reach out. I've never been um, scared, you know, to face being wrong. And we were talking on the phone for so long that I said, well, just, Come to the show. Mm-hmm. Come to educate us all. So first, I want to apologize. I want to apologize to everyone that I might have offended regarding my remarks. You know, uh, apology, and I was wrong. So, Roland, help everyone understand why I was so wrong. Well, the reason I had such a visceral reaction is because uh, that's often been the criticism of HBCUs and the NAACP and really African Americans. Uh, and so when the folks say, well, why we need the NAACP? Well, I'll lay it to you like this here. The first slave came to America in 1619. Emancipation Proclamation signed in 1863. Uh, 13th Amendment ratified in 1865. Reconstruction goes to 1877. Then there's this great compromise where Brother B. Hayes becomes president. They pull the troops out of the South. Jim Crow starts. So you now go through all the way through the uh, 20th century, 1960s, Civil Rights Act, Voting Rights Act, Fair Housing Act. If you had to place a marker on when black folks have been technically fully free Americans, mm-hmm. it's 1970. That's only 46 years. Hmm. I'm 47. So that means I was born into an America where I wasn't technically a fully free American. African-American. 
uh, fully free American. And so black folks have been trying to force America to live up to its ideals of all men and women created equal. But the reality is that was nice on paper, but it hasn't been in reality. And so when it comes to our colleges, uh, we couldn't go to those schools. We, we, they were not, well, matter of fact, we couldn't read during slavery. You could be killed if you were found to be reading. Mm. Uh, and so that's why uh, it is so critically important. And so NAACP founded after a race ride in Springfield, Illinois. So why is it that in 2016 we're still fighting for voter rights? We're still fighting for income, for income equality. And so those, our institutions are allowing us to survive in America even though we built this country. So, <clears throat> do you feel that the bigger issue is police brutality or lack of education? Well, first of all, for us, there are a multitude of issues. Okay. Uh, W.B. Du Bois said the most important issue of the 20th century is the race issue. That's still in the 21st century. Uh, and so race is tied to everything. Race is embedded in the DNA of America. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the great books out there is Gerald Horn's book dealing with uh, uh, the uprising in 1776 where he said the reason that the American Revolution took place, not because of all oh, the Tea Party and because of taxation without representation, he said the 13 colonies wanted to continue slavery and were afraid the British would outlaw it. We built this country. America became an economic power because of slavery. Uh, and so when you look at education, even though Brown versus Board of Education happened in 54, mm -hmm. we still are trying. You just had a, a desegregation order to desegregate a school district in Mississippi a month ago. They've been fighting it since 54. HBCUs are still underfunded. In Maryland, there's a current lawsuit to get the state to fund more. So for me, education still is, is the most vital issue facing us mm -hmm. because it's tied to income inequality, it's tied to uh, folks who are in prison, it's tied to every critical issue. And so if we are getting educated, then we are on a much better path to being empowered, but we still should fight the other issues as well. But if you don't have an education, you screwed in America. And so, and, so, so, and so the reason why the HBCU part was so major, Wendy, is because I was just in North Carolina where they tried to put forth this bill to slash tuition to 500 bucks a semester to so-called help these schools. When I said, well, wait a minute, just adequately fund these schools. And so we fought back that particular bill. It got pulled off the table. But they literally were going to pass a law that could have put three HBCUs out of business. Hmm. I stand corrected. Um, now, as we know, the shootings in Baton Rouge and Minnesota were caught on camera. How can we hold the police more accountable without teaching our children to hate cops and fear them? Well, here's what's interesting. Uh, growing up in Houston, I wasn't raised to hate cops. I don't know of any African American who is raised to hate cops. The problem that we have in America is literally there is no accountability for cops. Less than 1% of cops involved in a shooting ends up being indicted. What, Less than 1%. Why? Because the blue wall? The, oh, the, the prosecutors? First of all, the blue wall, absolutely the relationship between the district attorney uh -huh. and the police, and also the laws that we huh. have set up are there to protect police officers. They just passed a law in Louisiana allowing, saying if you kill a cop, it's a hate crime. Well, first of all, in Louisiana, they put more folks in prison than any other state in the union. If you killed a cop... You're going to get the death penalty anyway. So trying to call it a hate crime is irrelevant. 
Same thing in terms of you just saw two laws passed where they're trying to block access to the video in North Carolina. Saying that if oh. the dash cam video and the body cam video uh-huh, yeah. saying you have to get permission from the police chief or the sheriff to actually see the video. They don't want the level of accountability, and that's the problem. And so when cops say, oh, you know, uh, why y'all attacking us? No, the problem is cops talk about don't snitch in the streets. The greatest don't snitch policy in America is in police departments. They don't want to talk. They don't want to turn each other in, and that's the problem. And the reason Black Lives Matter has been so successful is because they have forced the most rigorous discussion on police brutality Mm -hmm. and accountability in the history of America. We have never seen this level of discussion in America's history. You have to understand that you have to confront what's happening in this nation. Two, you have to say, change the laws. In New York, the attorney general now investigates every police shooting because of an executive order. You can't have local DAs prosecuting cops because they are too close in a relationship. That has to change. I understand. One more thing I want to ask you. Uh, first of all, do you have children? No. Okay. Well, my wife and I have raised six of my nieces, so if you're paying for them, they're yours. <laughs> Roland, um, what do we tell our young black kids, boys or girls? Because my husband and I, mm-hmm. we go through this constantly with Kevin. Before Trayvon, it's like, take the hood off. Don't put your hands in your pockets. You call an officer, officer, and sir. What, what, do, we, what do you tell them? The, hard, the, the first thing you tell them is your job is to get home. Ugh. Now... That's hard, because again, I go back to technically being a full American. You got the videos of white kids acting a fool, swinging on cops, and they get arrested, but black kids swung on a cop, uh, prepare to have a body bag and have a funeral. And so what we have to do is, first of all, again, we, we, we all have the talk, and that is how you behave, what you say, don't make any quick movements. Right. I mean, and it's literally say, basically, can I breathe? Right. I mean, is, is it okay that I can breathe? Right. But, but you go through all of that, uh, but, but you also maintain your dignity. And that is, if I'm being treated badly by a cop, I'm going to get through that situation, uh-huh. but I'm looking at the cop number, I'm looking at uh, the license plate, because I'm calling somebody yeah, yes. after this is over. Yes, yes. And I'm going to follow through to make sure that person gets punished for their behavior. Yes. But you got to get home. And, I, and that's hard... That's hard when you're being disrespected. Yeah. And you know you're being disrespected, but your first duty is to get home to mom and daddy or to your husband or your wife. By the way, I was at a drugstore, and it was very, very empty, and I was the only woman on the cosmetic aisle, but I was black, and not everybody knows who the hell Wendy is, mm-hmm. right? And it, this literally was this week. And so all of a sudden, over the loudspeaker, true story, I heard, um, an associate in the cosmetics? I wasn't asking for a question. I right. know what that means. That's cue for black girl stealing. No, absolutely. So it, ha- it happens all, all the, the time, time, all day. And we got to keep the conversation going. Thank you for schooling me and maybe some of my audience who didn't mm-hmm. know. And thank you for being here. Appreciate it. It's Roland Martin. Every- all right, we are back. I just want to play that clip for you guys. Um, yeah. I, and I'm going to say this. I've never really been a huge fan of Wendy Williams, but I will have to say this. I do respect her because sometimes I think people say say things of ignorance, and I don't think that they realize what they say. 
and for her to um, acknowledge that she was wrong, I really have to respect her for that. Um, I think I'm just gonna be real with you. I think part of it had to do with the backlash, though, because she, she, in a way, she kind of she knows better. But at least she did come right out and say that I was wrong. But I think a lot of it had to do with the backlash that she received because I'm telling you now, people were dragging her like up and down social media on YouTube, I on think Facebook, she lost like on three Twitter, everything. Huh? I I think she lost like three sponsors within like two days. Yeah. So it it was I think it was really it had a lot to do with, with it was it, it was about the money and like you said, it was the sponsorship. But, you know, like I said, this is not the first time she has made comments like this. Um, like, like like I said um, before we went to the video, um, I think it was, a, it was back earlier this year, she made some comments after um, the episode aired on The Real Housewives of Atlanta when Portia and Cynthia went to a um, brawl or an, on, on the show. They were on a um, boat, and I guess they got into some dispute. And I guess after that episode aired, she got on her show and said, these women make me ashamed of being black. Like, and my thing is, if it takes something as small as that, like just two women, two human beings just having a disagreement to make you being ashamed of being black, then there's some more deep-seated issues that you you need to deal with. Because nobody's going to make me feel ashamed of being who I am if I'm not participating in that, that particular behavior myself. So she has she has um a history of just saying just asinine things and pretty much she you know uh Wendy Williams has always been known to be messy. She's always been known to uh just just be flat out disrespectful. She she intrudes on people's privacy. She she and she she does not care. She has no limits, no boundaries to what she says. On her show, um, and especially um, when she had a radio show, she was she was just brutal. She was ruthless. Like mm-hmm. the, Wendy Williams, the Wendy Williams that you see now is a lot calmer than the Wendy Williams you that used to be on the radio back in the day. She she was just yeah, but she, uh-huh. the Wendy Williams you see now has got a few more zeros on her paychecks, you know. So it's amazing how adding a couple of zeros will tame a person. Yeah, she was a bad old girl. She didn't. She didn't have a lot of regulations that she had that she has now. Because when you're on TV, it's way different than when you're on the radio. Yeah, you got you know censors and things of that nature, but you can't just go for people like that on camera. And then you got a lot of more sponsors too, and you have a lot more to lose too. And mm-hmm. uh, with her, with her audience being probably more uh, broader now, you know, um, she has to kind of, when she does what she thinks is pandering to her her audience now. But really, sometimes right. that stuff comes back yeah, to bite yeah, her. Everybody's not everybody's not up for that. So you know, I just I just think it's really sad that, you know, and it's just not her. It, it's not just Wendy Williams, but I just wanted to use her as an example. I think a lot of these people, when they get success, 
uh, they get fame. You look at people like Charles Barkley. You look at people like, uh, I mean, you. Well, let's just throw a name out there. Cheryl Underwood, can we say? Ooh. <laughs> I've heard it. And I even heard Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg's been kind of cooning lately, too. I, that's what I've been hearing. I didn't see it. They said that she got on, um, she was on The View saying some stuff when Jesse Williams made his speech. Like, she, her commentary is about that. They said she said some, yeah, some disparity. See, I, haven't followed, I haven't followed her um, since, she, since that episode. I usually go back and kind of watch what they say about different stuff. And I haven't went back and watched it, so I said I was going to kind of catch up on it. But I tell you one person that I just do not like, and I will, I don't like her because of the fact that she is so, and I don't go against like parties or whatever, but she is a devout Republican and she will stand on it. And to me, she hides behind her, uh, her, uh, what is it? I think she's a Delta, uh, Cheryl Underwood. Yeah. She hides behind that as that makes her pro-black. And to me, she is the biggest fraud there is. And I've always wondered that. Like, it... I just, How I can never you be understood. so devout Republican, but yet you you want a pro-black? I don't, like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, the, yeah, the reason like, why oh, you may not... Don't on me. The reason ahead. why you may not... Hello? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, we have to get history straight first, guys. Um, prior to slavery or ens- the enslavement of the quote-unquote black people, um, we're actually coming out of slavery. Um, we were Republicans, not Democrats. Another thing you have to understand about slavery is that in America, the first people who came here as slaves were European. Okay? Blacks were enslaved many years later. And the history of white slavery in America is never told. Do yourself a favor. Don't do me a favor, because I already know this. Do yourself a favor. And just Google white slavery in America and Google white slavery in Virginia. And you'll find out what I'm telling you is true. And I don't know how to say it, but but I'll have to keep saying it. But race, there's only one race of people. Only one race of people. Okay, sir, I got a question for you. Yes. Okay. I'm presuming when you cite the reference of there's only one race of one race, and that's people. I'm assuming that you're looking from the anthropological perspective, correct? I'm looking from the perspective of what of reality. Tell okay, me another so race. Are you, yeah, in other well, words, are you speaking in the terms of anthropology? Yes. Or is that what you're citing as your evidence of that? Yes. Okay. All right. From that division of science. Yes, that's correct. The problem okay. is though that people are not going to accept your argument on that in the mainstream society outside of the clinical science classroom. Well, Unfortunately, you know, and, you know, if it could all be seen that way, we'd have a lot less trouble in America and all around the world. If it could be seen as that, you could solve a lot of problems. You really could. 
that's not how everybody else is going to view it. You know, you make a great point. And for the people who refuse to face reality are frustrated, and they look at things through the the cloudy uh, prism of race. But the people, well, you know, the myself, who, who understand that there is only one race of people, it's the human race, and what's really happening is that individuals uh, are being robbed of their God-given birthrights. And if you do not understand the law, then you will not see what I'm talking about. Most people think that the police have the power that they're exercising. They do not. But they believe that they do because their politicians tell them that because they have never taken the time to actually read a statute, a law, a code, an ordinance. They don't understand the difference between the two. People really believe that a state can make laws. States don't make laws. Only Congress can make laws. And Congress can only regulate commercial activity. Well, I tell you what, there's probably 51 different places in America that don't agree with you. <laughs> well, it's not about disagreeing or agreeing with me. Read the law yourself. You have to, if you're going to be Sir, I happen to have a degree in law. Okay. Okay. So, so then you know, am I am I telling the truth or not? No, it's okay. not. That's not well, how it works. So, are you it telling does, me that a state if it would? Then that would end the whole debate of states' rights versus you know federal involvement and all this. You know, it would end, it would solve a lot of problems. <laughs> but well, uh, well, any it, any law, quote unquote, law that a state passes, which violates any principle laid out in the Constitution is null and void to begin with. So the people don't know that the Constitution is in place to protect their unalienable, inherent, fundamental rights, then they're Uh going to look at their state and the the state legislative as somehow being superior over the people. Well, I guess getting back to the original question I had is, a person that has a Ph.D. in anthropology is going to completely understand and see your point. And I understand what you're saying. I'm not saying that I don't understand it. I get it. And you agree with me, not just understand, but you just admit it. You agree with me, correct? I will agree with you that, yes, there is only one race. That's the way it should be. Okay, so if you know that there's only one race. That's not how the rest of the world sees it. why Why do you continue to allow the host to perpetuate that there are different races when you know that there is but one race and that we're dealing with people of different nationalities and start from that point. Because a person who has a Ph.D. in anthropology is not going to see something the same way as someone does that has a Ph.D. in law. They're going to look at their own individual perspectives from their own individual specialties, and they're not going to agree with one another on each individual's respective specialty. That's well, I'm not talking about perspective. We're talking about what is, and you and I just agreed. But that the perspective is what is, and the perspective is what has to be worked on. And I'm not saying that you're wrong from the anthropological perspective. What I'm saying is your case, while it's a nice thought, is not how the rest of the world is seeing it. Yeah. Let me tell you this. The rest of the world outside of America operates the way that I'm, 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 I'm 
I'm describing it. It's only in America where you run into black and white. Outside of America, people mm-hmm. recognize the other's rec- uh, nationality and tribal affiliations, and they act accordingly. In America, we have created so, a caste So explain system. all these terror wars that are going on over in foreign countries. There, there, there can't be a, such a thing as people are respecting other people's nationalities because then uh, – these these countries wouldn't be invading other countries and trying to dictate their laws on other people. It's the same war, just a different territory to me. Well, it's what, like we, we're having a race war. No we're having a race war here in the United States, black and white. But then you go overseas and you got Israel fighting against Pakistan or whatever. People have different beliefs and people have different standards of the way that people should live, and it's the same thing, just a different territory. Not to mention Liberia, the mass genocide going on over there. Just right. simply so, so what makes, Yeah, so we're we can't look at other countries and be like, Oh, so they're they're living life better than we are or they're doing something different than we are. The United States is freaking over in other five other countries right now, battling a war that has nothing to do with us, but yet and still we want to talk about that there's only one race here in the United States. You gotta be kidding me. Well what what the United States is doing, not America, the United States, and it's not the United States government, it's individuals within the United you, you, well, States. You can say it, not America, but United States. How did, they, how did those two become separate? Because America is the continent. It's the land. It's, it's we the people. We live on land. The United States is a corporation that was formed back in 1871, and it is – uh, public service corporations. They provide services to the people of America, and they have commercial interest overseas. And the commercial, what, what, what the United States exports is democracy. I'm, I'm just curious, where did you get 1871? Okay, Google Google the Act of 1871, and what you're going to discover is that um, the United States was formed in 1871. The, gov- the government was before then. It was in Pennsylvania, and the um, the states of Maryland and Virginia made room. They created the District of Columbia, and then oh, the government of the United States, the corporation of the United States, moved okay, to the District I'm, of Columbia in 1871. I'm trying to follow your train of thought there. So I was like, where the hell did you get 1871? So okay, are we talking about right, when I'll... we were just 13 colonies? Or that is that where we're no. going? Now he's talking about when D.C. was created to be a separate uh, controlling uh, representative the seat, place for the, the government the, while not right. being a state. Right. While not and, a statehood. Right. And the government of the District of Columbia, that government was created by Congress back in 1802 initially. And that government is not a government. It is a municipal corporation that was set up by Congress to regulate the commercial affairs, the commercial affairs within what you know as, which is known as the District of Columbia. It is not a government in the true sense. It is a corporation, again, set up to regulate commercial activity. And that, and that, that is what all the states are. They're nothing but corporations set up to regulate commercial activity. And each one, each of these states sets up other municipal corporations within the certain geographical areas to regulate the commercial activities in those particular areas. That's where you get your municipalities. 
your towns, your cities, and these type places hire police well, that's officers. Slightly, uh, that's a slightly different uh, legal perspective than how I was taught. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure it is. But the only law enforcement in the area is the one the people elect, and that is the sheriff. Every every other police force is either deputized by the sheriff or is corporate in nature, and they do not enforce the laws. Sir, or they do not enforce citizen? constitutional laws. They enforce commercial rules and regulations. Sir, are you a sovereign citizen? There is no such thing as a sovereign citizen. No, I mean it's an organization like a affiliation. Oh, no, there's no. No, I'm not. I'm not any of that. Okay. The people. The the people, and I'm talking about the persons, the people have sovereign power, but an individual people is not sovereign in and of itself. Only nations are sovereign. Only governments are sovereign. So anyone who calls himself a sovereign citizen, they're, they're, there's no such thing. That's, that's a made-up term in order to demonize a certain group of people or someone who is trying to exercise their God-given right. Now, the biggest mistake that people make is believing that what they move around in is a vehicle. It's not a vehicle. It's their private non-passenger automobile. But when you call your private non-passenger automobile a vehicle, which is a device that's used to transport people and, and property, which is like a taxi cab driver or bus driver or tractor-trailer driver, once you say you're in a vehicle, you're automatically placing yourself into a commercial venue, which allows the police to regulate you and subject you to the state codes, rules, and regulations. So if you don't know these things, you're going to but suffer abuse because you're... But there have been numerous Supreme Court, you know, numerous Supreme Court rulings about the Fifth Amendment, the Eighth Amendment, you know, all these different amendments that apply directly to police intervention. How would you address that? I'm, I'm sorry, you, you broke up on me. You said there are a number of Supreme Court there, rulings that... There are a number of Supreme Court rulings out there that have very clear and strict guidelines governing police, whether it be sheriff, municipal, whatever, regarding police involvement within to the private, the lives of citizens. You know, Fifth Amendment, Eighth Amendment, you know, I can go on, God, that could be a whole 20 episodes. Yeah, that's like a whole nother show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, whatever, whatever, whatever powers are given to, whatever police powers are given, they still have to operate within the Constitution, of course. Now, if if your attorney or your lawyer who is representing you <laughs> doesn't present the correct argument, then you're going to be found guilty of something, or case case law is going to be established um, that is contrary to popular belief and contrary to to the Constitution. So it's it you have to make the correct argument if you know when you're in certain situations. So okay. just because the Supreme Court has made a ruling, you have to look at the argument. You have to look at what was presented well, to the Supreme Court. That's why they call them case briefs and judgments. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But the, the law of the land is the Constitution 
and the laws of the United States, not what the state passes. The states, they adopt federal law, and they, are, they, they have to enforce it, but a state cannot make a law contrary to the Constitution and the laws and treaties that are contained within the, the, the federal Constitution. And as far as the Black Lives Matter, I respect what they're trying to do, but they're banging their head up against a wall if they are not addressing the law and the statutes. Because if they go to the state statutes and law and read it and understand what a, a legal person is, they're going to discover that a lot of the things that these police officers are doing don't even apply to the people unless you are made a subject to the state or to the corporation. And people aren't corporations. People are not persons. So if the mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter want to really progress things, they need to study the law. There, there's no need for new laws. All the laws are on the books. People are not reading the law. And then once you bring the law to those who can do something about it, they're not enforcing the law. And that is what Donald Trump is, is that's one strong point that Donald Trump is bringing forth that a lot of people don't understand. And that's why a lot of people don't, don't like Donald Trump, because they don't understand the law. They've never taken time to read the law and see well, that. Sir, I put uh, many hours into, you know, my degree is around law. And I put a lot of hours in constitutional law, procedural law. I got a lot of hours, and I got a real fancy piece of paper that says that I completed that degree. And uh, I'm sorry, but the law, the way I have read and seen and all the statutes and codes I read, you know, Constitution rules from the top down, and, yeah, I have to say, I just, I'm not understanding where you're coming from on a lot of it. No. Okay, take for instance a, a, a state law. I'm sure you've read a law, and in it, it'll, it'll tell you what the law applies to, why it's being written, and it'll give you a definition section. Is that correct? Yep. Okay, in the definition section, it'll say, it'll define what a person is, correct? Uh, no, it typically does not define a person. Well, all the statutes, codes, and ordinances I've read this defines what a person is. It defines all the terms that are that will be spoken of within that particular statute, well, code, and ordinance. I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, traffic law, and we're watching this. It, you know, says any individual operating. It doesn't go right. into express individual because we don't have aliens yet driving cars down the street. <laughs> well, an individual, once you do the research, which I have done, the individual is the driver, and right. a, the the legal definition of a driver is one who is employed or engaged of taking a person from point A to point B. So if that person, if that driver is employed to do something, he is well, he is in commerce. What state are you in? Excuse me. What state are you in? I'm in Virginia. Virginia. Okay. Yes. Right. And I, I, over I, here, we're based we're based out of Indiana. Over okay. Here. So maybe I'm looking at a slightly different interpretation of the wording of ours, because ours would be keep the individual who is in control of said motor vehicle. That's correct, and that would be the driver. Right, but it doesn't correct into all that. It doesn't okay, get that, into that stuff you're talking. about. <laughs> Which that could be, okay, maybe that's a difference in the states. Maybe that's a difference between yours and mine. I got to Google. 
Now, Ooh. so I mean, oh. once you understand the terms and def- the legal, I'm not don't don't do not grab a Webster's dictionary. They don't use Webster's dictionaries in courts. They use Black's no, Law dictionary. It's a legal thesaurus, right? You need a you need a Black's Law dictionary, preferably the fourth edition. And I'm pulling mine up here. I'm pulling up my uh. What's what's it called? Look up the word driver. Uh huh. Okay. okay. Under what? Go to the Black's Law Dictionary, fourth edition, preferably, and look up the word driver. I'm pull I'm pulling up my um. What I have here on it right now, and I'll read it to you so that clear understanding of what I'm talking about. Okay, driver, here it is. Um, Black's Law Fourth Dictionary, I mean Fourth Edition, Revised Version, page five eighty five. Driver mm-hmm. employed in conducting or operating a coach, carriage, wagon or other vehicle with horses, mules or other animals, or bicycles, tricycles or motor car through a street, rail or a railroad. Okay, so when it says one employed, the next thing you have to do is look at what does employed mean? Well, hold on. There's a whole bunch of words after that says or. Uh-huh. Or bicycle, so, tricycle, motor car. Right. Well, not a street railroad car. C. Davis versus Prisinovich, 112. Okay. Um Okay. So now, have you all ever been on a, the, to the beach or to like a boardwalk when you see people who have bicycles and they're giving people rides for a fee? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Okay. That person on that bicycle, he's a driver at that point because he's doing it for money. He's taking someone, and that someone is called a passenger. Okay. So since we okay. are on a limited time frame here on the show, let me see if I can skip ahead to see if I can get to the point here. So I'm going to take a leap of faith here and say that instead of constantly debating the term driver, what we're going to cut this down to is that you don't believe that the police have enforcement capability over a person, Joe Blow citizen, such as anybody walking down the street that gets into their own personal vehicle and drives down the road. Is that what you're saying? Well, remember the words that you're using. If you say, if you just say what you said, and you said they don't, they don't have the power to enforce someone in their vehicle, remember a vehicle is a commercial term. So if you, okay, if you're, in, I'm going to use the. I'm not going to speak legal terms. I'm going to speak the layman term that everybody is going to know when I say, "Me gets into my personal vehicle that I own, and I'm driving down the street in my own personal vehicle." So do okay. you believe, is your point or a belief, that they don't have enforcement ability on that? It's, honestly, it's not about my belief. It's about what the the motor vehicle okay. laws. What do you feel that the law says on that? Did they do or do not have enforcement ability over that? If you, if the police, if, I'm, I'm going to try to explain it to you in simple terms. If the police, if you get pulled over by a policeman and he uh-huh. says, sir, I've you, your vehicle was driving at X amount of speed. Okay. And if you agree with him, what he said, and you don't you don't object and say, well, sir, this is not a vehicle. 
this is my private non-passenger automobile, if you don't say those words, then you're automatically um, succumbing to his definition of what you're, you're traveling in. And if you don't okay. object to that, then yes, by law, he has the right to issue you a ticket because you agreed to being in a vehicle. If he calls you a driver, you agree to being a driver. Again, he has the right to do it. Now, what I would suggest is this. If he does say those things to you, you know, politely object, accept the ticket, and handle it through the court system. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I I have won many parking and speeding tickets here in Virginia and in D.C. using these same tactics. So if, if you know and understand the powers of the police, what the real law is, then you don't argue with the police out on the side of the road. Right. It doesn't really do you much good there at that point in time to engage in an argument with them. Exactly. Not help. Exactly. And for those I'll who... I agree with you on that. Right. And for those who do argue, it is a sign that they do, that they do not understand the law and they do not understand that, hey... I can beat this ticket anyway. So I'm going to take it, and I'm going to handle it through the court, and I'm going to beat it, and then I'm going to try to come back and sue you for malicious prosecution or, or making false statements, calling my non-private automobile a vehicle when you know it's not a, know it's not a vehicle. You called me a driver when you knew I wasn't engaged in uh, taking someone from point A to point B for a fee, such as a Uber driver. If if you applied that same principle here in the state of Indiana, Uh when you went into the traffic court, that judge here is going to laugh at you, bang the gavel, and say, pay your fine at the clerk's window. (laughs) Well, well, this is is what I'll say to you on that. (laughs) This this is just a suggestion. You'd never go into court talking what I'm talking. You always present your argument in writing, and you send it to the court at least two weeks ahead of time, and you send a copy of it to the whoever is representing the, the trooper. You send a copy to him so that when you go into court, they know what they're going to have to discuss, which is the definition of the words that come out of their legal law, mm-hmm. out of their legal dictionaries, and out of their statutory codes. And the state of Indiana is going to look at you and go, these are some nice, fancy words, but you owe us $125. Get the hell out of my courtroom. (laughs) That's pretty much how it works in Indiana. They're going to be like, he used some real big, colorful words, and that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) And legalese is always a pain in the ass, I'll admit, but... You know, if we need to do a uh, segment on how to get out of a lot of tickets and a lot of traffic tickets, we're going to call you and tell you to come back. Yeah. Yeah. We will thank you for If I get pulled over, I need for him to email me or inbox me his information because I need for him to be in court with me because I paid the state of Indiana $1,600 to get my license and shit straightened out. I should have known this stuff a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. You, you know what? You're right, away. but they don't teach us this stuff. They don't want you to know this stuff. Shoot. If they I can go in there want you out marching, head. screaming, yelling loud, not knowing the law. 
I could have went in there because I, I like big colorful words because I, I like to read. <laughs> oh, yeah, I like to read too. Tell you what I do. Read, read, reading is fundamental. If you it's know okay, what I, I can give you my email address. Shoot me an email and I can send you one of my papers, one of my arguments that I that I often use, and you can study it and you'll see what I'm talking about. And you can find copy of the Indiana Code on kind online at in.gov and click on Indiana Code Law and Justice section. Well, yeah, you you should join our um our social media page under the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers, and we we would love to have you come on and talk about you know um the you know talk about this because I think you know maybe we could be educated about this. I mean, who knows? Okay, that sounds good to me. Can I give you my email address and you can shoot me a quick email because I'm not at my computer right now. Okay, yeah, just and give it to us online, yeah, if you don't mind. Yeah, it's um, it, all letter. It's first know thyself at gmail.com. Okay. Yep, F-I-R-S-T K N O W T H Y S E L F as in Frank at gmail dot com. First know thyself at gmail dot com. Shoot me an okay. email and just put in the subject line the name of the show. I'll know um I talked to you guys tonight and I'll shoot you a copy of my argument. You can study it and then if you want I can come on and we can go over it and and um, you know you know, get the education out there because people are doing this across the United States. You're not going to hear about this on the news, guys. Okay. Well, they okay. Said the right. Won't be televised. You're right. It's not. <laughs> All right. Well, all right. Well, thanks for joining us. We have something. We have one more thing that we need to type, and then we're going to call it a night. If I know Michael, you had something that um, I know that you wanted to present. Yes, uh, we've talked a lot about traffic stops and police interaction and involvement with the police and whatnot. And Seneca asked me earlier if I would put together some points, having worked a little bit in public safety, um, some various points about and tips as far as when you're interacting with a police officer. And I guess I'm going to just start this kind of like from a perspective of a traffic stop. And then maybe we'll go from there, and some of those other points and aspects will come into play when you get outside in a traffic stop situation. So starting off first, you're driving down the road. You see the pretty blue and red lights in your rearview mirror. You hear the siren. You pull on over, okay? And, you know, first, you know, they always say with the pullover, don't drive a half a mile before you pull over. Put the turn signal on, start slowing down, and get over at the first safe location you can. So, good points right there off the bat. The officer is going to, best thing you can do, and I was pulled over myself not terribly long ago, and I pushed the button and rolled my window down, and I put my hands on the top of the steering wheel, and I just sit there until the officer come to my window. Hands are right there in the open. Because regardless of 
what town or city or state that the officer is in, regardless of if it's a good cop, bad cop, somewhere in between, that cop is on guard when he's approaching your vehicle. He is on guard and he is watching because, you know, sometimes people shoot them. So he's looking for these things as he's coming up here. It's just easier for you to keep your hands around the top of the steering wheel and just let them sit there. He'll come up there and people say, well, I want to, what about getting my license ready, my uh, registration, this and that? No, just wait. He'll tell you what he needs. So he says, can I see your driver's license? You can say, yes, it's in my wallet, my right hip pocket. Okay, if I go ahead and get that, he'll tell you what to do. He'll be like, sure, go ahead or no, hey, what's the deal or something. He'll tell you. Ladies, if it's in your purse, you're in your billfold or wallet in your purse, just sign, well, yes, I have a bit in my purse. Is that okay? He'll tell you, sure, go ahead and get it or whatever. Now, should you happen to have a weapon where you are going to be reaching, say, for a lady's perspective, say you have a firearm, and let's just say that you have a permit for said firearm, you're a perfectly legal gun owner and gun carrier, that's fine, but if it's in your purse and you got to reach into that purse to get that wallet out with your driver's license, might be a good time to let him know that. You might say to the officer, to him or her, hey, my license is in my billfold there in my purse, but I also have my carry permit and my gun is in there as well. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take it's almost, would you would you suggest, Michael, like in some situations that you feel that there's an intimate, you know, uh, threat, do you think it's just better just to hand the purse to them and just say, hey, it's in there? I was just going like, ask that. Like, I feel more comfortable just being like, hey, here's my purse. It's in there. Do what you do. <laughs> you know, and in the cases of that, and I know that, you know, there is a, the recent one of the recent things in the news, the guy tried to do all this stuff and he got shot. And I would say that that's going to, uh, they're pretty much down. They're going to have that cop in prison. If they don't, then they're blind. But uh, in the case of this, I would say, hey, it's in that purse and so is my gun that I have a permit for. How do you want to do this? <laughs> well, so. So and, pretty much and I say, communication communication is the key. Yes. Yes. You know, hey, the gun's in the purse along with my permit and my wallet and my ID card, but how do you want to do this? <laughs> and, you know, my grandmother actually went through something like that about 10 years ago, and uh, the cop called her and said, just hand me the purse and all. Just pick it up by the straps and just hand it here. She said, okay, mm. here you go. She picked it up, handed it to me, and said, okay, here. So, all right. Other tip, guys, same different scenario, scenario possibly for you. Say most of, you know, most typical guys, we got it in the pants pocket. All right. Well, you have it in your pants pocket, and he says, go ahead, I need to see your driver's license registration. Just say to him, it's in my uh, back right hip pocket. Is it okay? Go ahead and get that. He'll probably be like, yeah, okay, or... He may say, do you have any weapons that I need to know about? 
if you happen to be carrying a handgun in the small of your back, now would probably be a good time to say something. Because if you're going to reach back there, and there's a gun back there, and they happen to see it, it's not going to be a real pleasant experience on this stop. But it's probably going to be uh, very tense. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got something on you like that, tell them. <laughs> Especially if you have to reach in that vicinity or go buy it to get to what you're going to hand them, let them know. Because if they happen to see it, they're probably going to think that's the correct. Especially, you know, Absolutely. your registration, a lot of people, I keep my registration in my glove box. Mm-hmm. You know, if you happen to have a gun in your glove box, mm-hmm. you might want to tell them. So that way when you drop that door open and their flashlight sees a gun and you're reaching for it, probably not a good idea. So, so again, communication and common absolutely. sense. That is, okay. Right. Because, a long way. Because I was just getting ready to say, um, a lot of people posted on my Facebook about the girl that was in the car with uh, Castillo, the one that got killed in Minnesota. Uh-huh. And they were saying, well, why did she choose to record, you know, hit the record button on Facebook or whatever? And it was like, this dude just told the officer that he has a permit to carry and he has a weapon and he just got four bullets put in him. You think she's going to move again? <laughs> because and they were like, Well, why didn't she try to help him? If she would have reached towards him, even though this yeah. gun still had not been removed from his person, that officer would have shot him. Yeah. The situation has already gone to hell. The best thing she could do is just not move. Just not move. Right. Now, another thing, you know, getting outside of basically the rule from the traffic stop. Let the officer tell you what he needs you to do, what he needs you to hand him, and tell him where you're going to be reaching to go get said item. If you have a weapon in the car, let him know. Not just gun, knives too. So, you know, I know some people also have, like, I know a couple of ladies that have, like, a little baseball bat thing tucked in between, like, the seats of their car or something. You know, probably not as big of a threat, but if you drop your license down between the seats of the car and you have to reach there to get it, I'd probably just on the safe side let him know, especially if you think the cop's a little bit jumpy. Tell him. Again, communication. Now, dealing with the police, say, outside of a traffic stop situation, walking down the street, in your apartment complex, wherever, number one, it's going to help the situation if you don't put your hands in your pockets. Now, I can tell you that that is a psychological, it seems like it is a complete reaction. For some reason, especially when you're nervous, people want to put their hands in their pockets. It seems to be like a knee-jerk response. It really does. But take a deep breath, relax, Try to not put your hands in your pockets. Don't go reaching back behind your shirt either acting like, you know, maybe you're just scratching an itch and that's fine. But (laughs) probably not a good idea to make a sudden reach like that. (laughs) Um, Again, you know, and with the, like one of the people had said earlier, you know, just 
arguing with the officers on the side of the road or wherever isn't going to help the situation. They say you're speeding. You say, no, I'm not. Guess what? They still said you're speeding. So getting into an argument there on the side of the road, one, maybe you would have gotten off with a verbal warning. Who knows? But, you know, <laughs> if you chose to argue with them, it's probably not going to be a verbal warning. It's probably going to be a paper ticket. Then. And, the, and the thing about it, too, Michael, people need to realize is, you can always, you can always contest it or whatever another day. Exactly. I mean, there's always another day to do that. You, you're exactly. like, 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 like I always say, man, your job is just to get through whatever you got to get through and go about your business. You can and always that's what I was going to do today. That's what I was going to go right back to what that guy had said to Wendy Williams was, you go home. So in the meantime, you just go, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, okay. Take it to court. It's a trap. Right. Thank you. Right. You got to, um, like, I feel for um, the young man that got killed in Minnesota because his mom was, his mom and dad were on the um, news a couple nights ago. And everything that you're saying, Mike, is everything that she said, this is what I taught my son. Yeah, I've seen that yeah. article. Yeah. She, was, she said, this is everything that I taught my son. I taught my son to comply. I taught my son to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, you know, yes, sir, no, sir. You know what I'm saying? He, I taught my son to respect authority, and he never had no real run-ins. You know, he had a couple, you know, things or whatever, but he never had no real trouble with the cops. And he was like, and she was like, how do you go on knowing that this is what you taught your kids growing up, but yet now I have to bury my child? Right. Exactly. And you know what? That's like they talk about safety programs. No safety program is ever, they may be really good advice, but at the end of the day, there's bad shit and there's bad people. Right. I was just like, that's just crazy. But yeah. 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 Because at the end of the day, you know, and I can tell you, these are ways to prepare for instances and there are things that are pretty good things to go by, but at the end of the day, there's bad situations and there's bad people. Right. And I always yeah. say, I, it's, a, it's a little bit of a joke that I have with my friends when I'm in the car. Like, I tell them all the time, like, if I pull it over, everybody shut the hell up. Don't nobody say nothing. <laughs> everybody, shut up. Like, <laughs> for real. Yeah. Because you idiots, Will get us all locked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you, you know, I'm like, I'm so situation, Everybody, shut up. In a situation where there's a carload of people, and you're in maybe a car, and there's three other people in that car with you. Let's say you're in the back seat, and you're innocent. You weren't even the person speeding. You're just in the back seat going wherever along for the ride. And the other three people in the stock car start getting mouthy and rowdy with the cop, and he you see him reach up and push that little button on his shoulder and say something, and then you hear more sirens coming down block. The best thing you can do is just put your hands out there where they can see him and just drop your head and say, oh, this is going to be a bad day. Hope they remember that. You weren't involved in that. <laughs> mm. That's why why I tell people, you know, like the whole Black Lives Matter and all that thing, this, that, and the third. Those five officers that got killed in Dallas, it should have never happened. 
Yeah. But then that goes along the lines of mental health. Now, that's a topic that I can talk about for hours on the end because I work in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That goes along the lines of mental health. Military and mental health. Bad combination. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that was a fireball waiting to happen. Yeah. Somebody, this situation just lit the fuse. Mm-hmm. You know? So, you know, that's why I said, but that's why, you know, me and Seneca, you know, we talked about it earlier today. I don't like for people to get online and they get to talking about F the police and blah, blah, blah. And everybody's on this whole bandwagon tangent about the police and this, that, and the third. And like somebody posted on my Facebook page, they was like, so he said, I'm going to put this comment out here to women. He said, so if your, your spouse, your boyfriend or whoever is beating the daylight side of you, who you going to call Domino's? <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> because just, last week, just last week you were saying F the police, but now you're getting your head beat in. Who you calling? Yeah, you're right. So I was like, people have to look at that. And that's why I will never be, uh, never be on the, you know, uh, on the position of, uh, we don't need the police and F the police and, you know, all, because we need them. I mean, they're, they're, they're a public service that, that right. is necessary within the community. So we can't be of that. And like I said, it's not all of them. We need to weed out the ones that aren't law abiding or that are not upholding the law. They think they're, Until the more people... think they're above the law instead of upholding the law. Until more people stand up like, uh, what's her name, Nakia Jones. I think that was your commentator, JR. Her name is Nakia Jones. Until more people are willing to stand up. And then you see they tried to they tried to blackball her. They started posting that she got fired and that she got suspended and the whole nine. I'm like, no, she stood up and she said what needed to be said. Right. And, and like she said, you know, we take these officers that have never really interacted with African-Americans or black people or whatever, or minorities, and then you take them straight from the academy and you stick them in the meadows. Yeah, they're going to be antsy because all they've known is a stereotype. And let me tell you something a little scarier, too, about that, along those very same lines. All across at least... I'm speaking. Are you in Indiana? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, all right. Um, In Indiana, it is getting to be very difficult to find police officers. Uh huh. It's. I know down in the southeastern quadrant of the state, man, they're hurting for them. I've seen departments now that's like for a small town being five or six men short. That's a big deal. That's a right. really big deal. You know, I know a, a county between my area and Indianapolis that is putting out, like, you've ever probably seen, like, nursing homes or hospitals have, like, sign-on bonuses for nurses? Uh-huh. They're doing sign-on bonuses for police officers that are experienced and already had the academy under their belt. Wow. They're doing sign-on bonuses because it's getting that hard to get them. So let's apply, look at the bigger picture of that. Sometimes 
if it's getting harder to find them, your selection standards are probably going to have to loosen up a little bit in order to get them. Now, just along that very point that you brought up, now throw that in on top of it. Exactly. Exactly. It's like it's, it's like a it's like a pressure cooker just waiting a bus. There's mm-hmm. there's going to be, but the only thing is is that I don't know if you guys think that. I think that yeah, Indiana has its own, you know, police laws and and this, different incidents with police officers. Do you think something like a Baton Rouge or? Um, Minnesota to actually happen here, even though it's happened because we had Michael Taylor back in like the late 80s. Mm-hmm. But do you think something of that magnitude could really happen here? I tell you that it could happen of course. anywhere. Oh, anywhere. Yeah. Because a lot of those places takes. you would never thought, yeah, a lot of those places you would have never thought. Especially like in Minnesota, you never thought that something like this would come out of a place like that. You right, know what I'm saying? That's, like what, you, that's what scares me because I'm like, that could really happen here. Because one, it just takes one of the perfect storm of situational events, somebody mm-hmm. having the wrong attitude or the wrong frame of mind, and shit goes down. And then the next thing you know, you got to have the appropriate response too. Right. Because the appropriate response and all of it put together, boom. Could you have it here? Sure, you could have it anywhere in the United States. So this might it's just it just baffles me because you know, I mean, you know, we have our little, you know, bouts of moments of stuff that happens here, but I think something of that magnitude could like really shake this city. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. But you but you I mean here if you look at the crime epidemic here. Like well, you, see, you, that's you, the thing. Yeah, you know, we we're we're seeing we're seeing stuff that's never. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. We we've had crime here, but we we we're seeing stuff to the to a certain degree that we've never experienced in this city before. We're having at least two a night, at least two. Well, two wasn't killings, it just yeah. a couple of years ago that one of those like homicide, the first forty-eight or I don't know, some type of real-life reality detective show was following Indianapolis homicide detectives? Yep. First 48. Okay, yeah, that was it. I knew it was something to that effect. They were following Indianapolis. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the only reason they weren't with Chicago PD is because, one, they don't want them seeing what all they're doing, and they're going, (laughs) we ain't got time for that. We got too many of them. Yeah, the last time... Two a night, go over there. They can handle that pace. (laughs) Because the detective from Louisville, that's on the first 48, she came here when that quadruple murder happened on Harding a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. She came here for that. Huh. But, yeah, like I said, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing, this, this turn of events, everything that's going on. Mike Pence being picked as VP for Trump is interesting to me. And has he officially, and I haven't watched news, has he officially been picked as a VP? Yes. Yes, he just hasn't yes. made an official statement, but he, he, he might as well say yeah. He he just hasn't officially made his statement, but it's, yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, when Trump loses the election, can we write up a deal that we don't want Pence back? 
<laughs> right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's you, killing you two bars of one song pretty much. <laughs> no returns. <laughs> right? Yeah. You got him now, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> that's your headache. All <laughs> sales are fine. If they have fun. All sales are final. Uh-uh. And you know, right? Because you know, well, you know, pretty much the the, the deal is sealed because he cannot run for governor and be on the vice presidential ticket. Oh yeah. well, hell, that's fine because shit, he already knows he ain't getting reelected anyway. <laughs> right? Well, like I was just about uh, Mitch Daniels, he can run again or something like that. He technically could, yeah. I think he can. See, it's yeah, different for governors than it is for like presidents. Presidents can only run two con- two terms. Well, then whether consecutively or concurrently, huh? Yeah, they could always set one out and then come back. Right. So I think governors the same way. But Pence is now Pence is the president for Purdue University. Pence, I'm sorry. Daniels is president for uh, Purdue. Purdue University. Yeah. Well, he ain't going to want to come back to this job because he's making a hell of a lot more money up there than he and would be. And less press. Yeah, less press, less headaches. <laughs> yeah, right. He's he's going to stay up at Purdue where the money's better and the job's easier. But like uh, like mm-hmm. like Brittany was saying earlier, though, I think you had muted my phone. But like Brittany was saying earlier. Everybody keeps talking about the presidential election. Okay, let's get past that. When the midterm elections come up, is that next year? Yeah, I think. Or is that two years from now? I think it's next year. I think midterm is next year. I'm not. It's always the outcome year of the election, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I think next year's midterm elections. Now, those are the elections that groups like Black Lives Matter and voter, you know, voter registration and all that. Those that is the time that they really need to push voting because people yeah, are all harping on the, the people are harping on the president and the president this the president that president can't do anything if he don't have a Congress to back him. Mm-hmm. Exactly, the Congress is the one that has the real power. Right. So if if he doesn't have a Congress to back what he wants to do, then he's just a sitting duck. That's yeah. why that's why Obama ain't making no moves right now. That's why he ain't like I'm, I ain't got no no vote, so I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, and I just googled it to be sure, and I guess the presidential election is in November. So it'll be November this year. That means. We've already got the primary out of the way here in Indiana in May, so it's all downhill oh, yeah. from here. <laughs> right. But that's what I'm saying, though. The the elections for our state officials and um, – Yeah, that should be primarily next year. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's why I, I, I think – I think they're doing – sometimes I, I don't want to say – but I just – by telling people not to vote, I just – or I, I just think that's doing – the people of this service, like I just, that's you know, where, I don't know, I don't that's agree where with that. I lost this. This chapter lost me with that yeah. because they don't, they don't feel like you ask them about faith base. Oh, we don't really deal with faith base, and we don't really. You can't exclude groups that you need to get to the people. Yeah, right. you're right. 
and not to mention faith-based. And, you know, there's so many intricate parts to a community or to a culture that if you're just sitting there doing one thing, that's not going to help your cause. You have to be in many facets of it. And then when you think about faith-based, it's just not just the Christian community either. Right. See what I'm saying? Right. It's a big thing. Yeah, so, you know, like I said, I applaud what they're doing because it takes a lot of strength and courage to even get out there in the forefront and do something of that magnitude, and that's all well and good. But until you get all of the parts moving in the same direction, you you just kind of just a group. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so that's, that was the only thing that I, that I kind of got lost on because I'm like, oh, well, we really don't, you know, do voting and all that. Or, no. So how you going to get can't... stuff done? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't really push voting because people think it's a waste of time. That's our problem now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why people are not taking that movement as serious as they could or they should because of stuff like that. Right. Right. You know, like I said, don't get me wrong. I, you know, I respect what they're trying to do, but that they, I'm like you, they kind of lost me on that. Yeah. Cause I was like, how can you reach the people if you're not going to the people? You're not out here. You're you're at different rallies, and that's all well and good. But how about walking? It's summertime. All these teenagers are at home doing nothing. Why are you not hitting the neighborhoods and hitting the basketball courts and talking to these kids and telling them, hey, you're of age now. Your voice counts. Make it be heard. Whether it's by voting or just getting out here and doing something. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. Maybe so Maybe I'm just telling my age here, but, you know, I think a lot of these kids that are that young are looking at it like it doesn't involve a PlayStation or a ball. I'm not paying attention to it. Exactly. Exactly. Because that's why I said, you know, um, like Roland Martin made the, you know, made the comment, you know, the NAACP was started by white people. It was not started by African-Americans. It was started by a white person. So until you start embracing every facet of what makes us us, then you're kind of missing the point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. So, you know, like I said, they're, they're, like I said, they're still young in, in the, the beginning phases. They've only been out three years. I think give them some time and, like you said, give them some more knowledge and get some more experience under their belt. Because these kids nowadays are just kind of on the popcorn movement. You know, it mm-hmm. sounds good, feels good, and it's fast, and we're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm just kind of curious, and I'm by no means trying to downplay them or anything, but I'm just kind of curious how old the people from Indy 10 were. They're a young group. They sounded young, at least. Yeah, <laughs> they sound they sound a little hot headed to me. Yeah. They're a radical group. They're a radical group. They're like, oh, we don't believe in all that. We don't do. Oh yeah, you, y'all, y'all ain't got no experience. You, you, 
you you get up on get in them thirties and, and start getting yeah. You get out in that yeah. real world, I bet you a lot of those ideas are gonna change. I've always mm-hmm. said somewhere between the age of twenty five and twenty 